Welcome to Ronin Geek Podcast, where we break down the hottest franchises. Oh, so hot. Oh, so hot. Uh, the <laughs> movies and the TV, not just gaming. Yep. Uh, we want to analyze the essence of each, discuss their strengths and their shitty weaknesses. The question we want to ask is, do these franchises stay, to, stay true to their roots? And should they stick around or do they kind of need an extended vacation? Yeah, are they, just, f- are they just beating the dead horse for a lot of money at this point? Or are they actually <laughs> getting some value out of these franchises? Oh, more than money. Obviously, plenty of these franchises are still obtaining money. But well, should sure. they? Yeah. The question is, is, do they need to go on a self-discovery tour around the world to come back after finding themselves again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think it's any secret to what topic we're bringing up today, what franchise, the <laughs> largest franchise, and the most profitable Apparently. franchise of the entire world mm-hmm. uh, of all time. Um, Pokemon is not just something we wear. I just want to move over your camera just a bit. We do have a section of the podcast room. As you can see, there some little custom spray paint artwork. And uh, those three, you can probably, it's a little shiny in the picture, but those three uh, are my original cartridges. Batteries are long since dead. Oh, yeah, you can't play them anymore. Yeah, and I long decided that instead of putting them out to pasture instead of, or I could have replaced the battery. We, we had done research on how to do yeah, that. Yeah, you destroy the cartridge by replacing the battery. So once you do it, it's never going to be the same again anyway. Well, no, I think we, we, no, we were able to get it open. You kind of have to glue it back together. Sure. You have to destroy it and then fix it in order to use it. Yeah, but and you'd still no be able to use it and you can put the battery together. But I decided instead, because we had it on digital, we have, we have these <laughs> Pokemon games in like five different versions. That's why you have emulation. <laughs> exactly. So I just, just went you know what screw it i'm gonna i'm gonna immortalize them in a shadow box and put it up on display as you know an honorable uh history of my life mm-hmm. so this digital love this digital love i'm so wrong, u- episode. wrong episode i'm so used to you being on for digital i know love. i don't usually come to the uh ronin geek uh territory we'll call it this is no. usually this is the the man cave of mondays so i'm usually not a part of this one <laughs> that's true that's true um, but this one is kind of why I wanted to have us on is because it is kind of a digital love, but it's a two way digital love. It's a discussion yeah. of you love the series. I love the series and we've both evolved even up to now. We keep an eye on it. We watch it. You even play it. Um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I think I've played more than you at this point. Probably. We'll talk about that later. And cause I think that, that definitely answers the question of have they kept to their, to yeah. their roots. I guess it's really a question of, does it deserve our love anymore? Yeah. That's that right. Does it deserve oof. anybody, any nerds love, or is it just one of those things we keep doing? Cause it's, it's so close to our hearts. It's nostalgic it at is, this point. Yeah. It's, it's ritual. It's not, yeah, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, we'll, that, we'll discuss that. That is hurtful that you go there. That's like, do you deserve my love? Are you good enough? Well, I mean, we're going to discuss whether it is. <laughs> All right. So where where do you want to start this? Because we both started this the same way pretty much everyone else started Pokemon, mm-hmm. which was red and blue, at least in North America, which was red and blue. If you're in other countries, it might have been red and green. Uh, was it red and green or blue and green? Red and green. Red and green. Yeah. Blue uh, was only North America. Right, right. So... Where do you, I, I'm, I'm going to open up the gates to you and say, what, where do we want to start this? Because we're going to take a look at this and define it. Let me just set up this nostalgia trip for you. Okay. So it's 1999. You just got home from school. And you, go, you go to your fridge. You're you, listening to Will Smith smack stuff, but it ain't a person. Right, right. So you go home, you open up your fridge, you take out a nice Capri Sun, you pop that straw in there. You go into your, your, your den with your nice uh, CRT TV up on that nice little cheap wooden stand that may or may collapse from the weight at any point in time. You turn the channel to WB Kids. 
And you hear that one note electric guitar start its rock ballad and the excitement builds and you hear Jason Page's voice start serenading you about how you want to be the very best. Is that Jason Page? Is it's that the Jason name of the singer? Jason Page is a singer. Like no one ever was. And you're like, I want to be the best. I could be the best. And you pop out that Game Boy, the, the big chunky boy. That's The one that can handle a nuclear bomb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that for whatever reason, the battery compartment cover never, never stayed like in because you always broke that plastic clip. It was the first thing that ever fucking broke on that thing. So your battery cover was like taped on with scotch tape to hold your batteries in. See, I never had that problem. Oh, I did. I, I was the first thing that broke in mine was the stupid battery cover. My parents bought the original Game Boy for them and my older brother. Was that the big gray one? The big gray one. I think it only came in gray originally. Yeah, but my personal one that I got for Christmas or birthday or wherever was the clear one, the second generation. Oh, you were one of those fancy kids, weren't you? Yeah, but I was also very late to the game of getting it. Uh, I had the red. I had like the second kind of edition they came out with, which is the classic red. The red, that was, they didn't have that in the original version. The they, original Game Boy? When they originally put out colors for the Game Boys, it wasn't, you're, are you talking about the, the video game red? No, 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 the case, the like actual Game Boy itself. That was Game Boy. Was red. I'm pretty sure that was Game Boy Color. The no. colors came out in Game no. Boy Color. Red, they had a red one. They had a gray one and they had a red one and they had the clear one. Really? Yep, I had the red. Okay, uh, I'll have to Google that red one because I've never heard of that Oh, yeah, before. no, it was definitely red. Uh, the Game Boy Color did come on colors. My That one had the, the neon colors. That was the that was a Yeah, because I had the neon green. It was like neon green, and then again, they had the clear one too because apparently that was a thing. You like to see the electronic components. It was cool looking. Okay, it was cool, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. Pokemon, Pokemon is so dear to my heart. <laughs> I, uh, I remember getting Pokemon Blue. No. Red. I got red. My brother had blue. Oh, good. I had blue because I was the blue. No, no I, I had red. And uh, I remember getting it for my birthday along with the Game Boy. And I got a bunch of stuff. They, my parents kind of went all out and I got a bunch of accessories. I got this like clear plastic acrylic case. So you could slot all your little oh, cartridges oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like extra that. batteries and stuff. I got the fucking magnifying glass with yeah. the light on it. Like it looks almost like I a, had one. Like a book. Was this uh, for the magnifier? original Game Boy? Yes. The, oh, yeah, yeah. So you had the one where it, it slapped on the top yep. and it had the two open things that were lights, I think. Yep. And they would like bend upwards and then there was a magnifying glass. And so you'd have lights and it, going it down. it weighed about just as like, I actually think it weighed more than the actual Game Boy itself. Yeah. It was like a glass magnifying glass. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had that. And uh, I don't remember the other games that I got. They were so like not as cool as Pokemon that I don't even care about them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon Red. And I remember just not really understanding at first what I was playing because I wasn't that into video games at the time. Like that was kind of my first real foray into really? like video games. Yeah. I played Super Nintendo with my mom. That was kind of something that we did a little bit together, but I was never good at it. And it was mostly just watching my mom play, less actual playing. Really? The first consoles that I ever got was the Game Boy. And then an actual console wise was the uh, N64. So huh. for me to have a Game Boy, I played it a little bit at my grandparents' house. My grandpa had one, but he had like I don't know, more adult games. He had like Mortal Kombat and he had Tetris and he had like, you know, whatever old people games, I guess. Um, so to Did he sit have bonk? there. Pardon? Did he have Bonk? No, I don't even know okay. what Bonk is. It was like Mario, except you played a caveman with a huge head and you'd slam people with your head. Oh no, no. He had like a couple, there was like a Mario title that came out for the, the Game Boy. And then he had Dr. Mario and I don't know, it doesn't matter. He had a bunch of like yeah. odd games that were very complicated. So... Let me introduce you to my intro to Pokemon. Okay. 
I, oddly enough, for a guy who has the room like this and doing a podcast about movies and video games, I was not a nerd girl. No, you were those weird hockey jock kids. I was a hockey jock. Canadian, so hockey jocks are like the football jocks of of the United States. Oh, absolutely. Um, We were the guys who bullied the nerds and, you know, did that kind of fun stuff. But hilariously enough, because of the generation, what was happening is a lot of the hockey guys did play video games, did play Pokemon, but they still beat up the nerds. Yeah, it was weird that a lot of the kids that I grew up with were never nerds, but everybody had a console. Like yeah, yeah. everybody I knew owned an N64 and loved, you know, like GoldenEye yeah. or Mario Kart, whatever it was, but they were never nerds. No, no. And you know, fuck those nerd kids. Fuck we're gonna be, we're kids. gonna beat them up. Yeah, yeah. So I I never really did the beating up as far as I can remember because what happened is I I'm a very tall person. Mm-hmm. I'm now very fat and tall, but originally I was just tall <laughs> and really skinny. And what was happening is I was originally a jock and I was hockey going to all these sports events. So I did play games here and there. I played Doom here. I played Mario Kart there. You know, generally things with my older brother, things that I didn't Or your really, cousin too. Or you, my cousin. Yeah, you, you guys played a lot. Yeah. And I didn't really have a, it was a lot of sports and then video games were something I did on the car ride to the sports event. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and what ended up happening is as I got to grade school in a certain age, um, I started doing poorly in hockey because I was growing. My body was growing taller and I couldn't control myself as well. I was a lanky, weird kid. <laughs> you were awkward in your own body. Awkward in my own body. And I ended up doing very bad in, in hockey. And I ended up getting frustrated a lot because I was getting picked on in, in the, you know, in the, by my own team. Mm-hmm. I was getting picked on by the enemies. Oh yeah, because you sucked and you were bringing I, the team down. So exactly. of course they're going to pick on you. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, then, so that ended up leading me to, you know, lashing out in school and being an upset kid. And I got grounded a lot. I got grounded a lot and I got in detention a lot. I could never understand why you were always grounded. There's no way with that smart mouth of yours, you know, how could you possibly get grounded? (laughs) How how could anyone view that as Yeah, no, no. So I ended up, while all my friends would play street hockey and stuff like that outside, where something I would normally be doing, Mm -hmm. I ended up having to stay in my bedroom. Well, the only console that was in my bedroom was my Game Boy, which is what I used for travel hockey. Right, right. So it was a coincidentally around that time that Pokemon came out and I was starting to meet Rob from Ronan Geek mm-hmm. and I was starting to get introduced to video games on a regular basis. And at some point they beat out hockey. You were converted. <laughs> I was converted. So that's kind of how I got into Pokemon is I spent most of my time playing Pokemon grounded in a bed and then my parents would go come, you know, come march into the room. Adam, what the fuck? And I'd have to duck it underneath a, a, a blanket or underneath yeah, my yeah. pillow or something. Honestly, most of my time playing games when I was a kid was generally on trips. Um, my extended family lived about an hour and a half, two hours away. So we visited them often. And every time we'd go on one of those car trips, that was when I got to play my Game Boy. And other than that, like when I was sitting around at home, I never really played. But it, it kind of one of those things where like the more you play it, the more you want to play it. Mm-hmm. It became that like kind of downward spiral of video games, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, no, honestly, like trips and driving places or whatever was most of the time that I used my Game Boy. Which is why the Game Boy is so important. So going into those Game Boys, let's talk about the first series what was good what was bad do you have any problems really a lot of this is unfortunately you know rose-colored nostalgia glasses right honestly if i look back at it now i'm obviously tainted by nostalgia in my opinion is it a good game i mean it's a game like anything else there was nothing really that special about pokemon i disagree at the time that was a unique and um very revolutionary game 
It, yeah, I suppose in that most of the other games were not really like story they driven. They were Mario games. Yeah, they were more about like completing levels, completing a task, you know, whatever. I guess this one was the first one where you had like a story and a driving purpose and, you know, whatever. In my opinion, it was an RPG for children. Final Fantasy was a hard game. It was. It was a hard game. It's a hard game as an adult, let alone as a, you know, 12 year old child. Yeah. And they had things like that. They had really complex games and even on, especially on the Game Boy, like, you know, talk about N64 and mm-hmm. actually at the time, I don't think N64 was out. It was no, it was Super just Nintendo. Game Boy. Yeah. Super Nintendo and Game Boy. Super Nintendo. Um, they had games like Zelda and, and all these other similar type games and they were, they were difficult, but they required a console. This was the first game on a handheld that didn't feel like an old shitty arcade game. Right. It, it wasn't like, oh, you know, you're playing Tetris or Pac-Man or but shitty. Yeah, like those little things that are like bite-sized pieces. I think that was the original um, idea that most people had when they had they looked at the, the portable gaming system was, okay, let's make these little like bite-sized games that you play in like levels. And, you know... You- they were based on the old... Um- uh, I forget what they call them, uh, Game & Watch games, where they're like yeah. little mini games. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, you're right. Pokemon was the first one that really said, no, we're going to give you something that isn't, you know, just for like, I wouldn't little bite-sized nuggets. First. I would say it was definitely the most influential, mm-hmm. and it was easy enough that children could play it, even though there are definitely parts of that that were unceremoniously hard. Mm. Oh, um, absolutely. But it also felt an awful lot like uh, kind of the, it's weird that, my nostalgia of original Pokemon is very similar to my my view of like Elden Ring now, hmm. which is you were given this world, just goes explore it. Now, a lot of it's locked off to you. Sure, yeah. And it expands the more abilities you get, but you're incentivized to just check out and talk to people. You don't know that in order to get cut, you have to go down and get a gym badge and then go talk to someone else. Well, if you talk to people in the game, you would know. You might know. You're encouraged to just go around and talk to people, deal with their weird ramblings, mm-hmm. and then try and make sense of it. And you just would fuck around for a long time. You know what's weird? I I, think, I feel like Pokemon is also one of those first um, forays into the world of collecting things. Oh, yeah. Because that we know now that collecting things in any sense is a real like dopamine hit. Whatever humans love collections. They yeah. love, you know, acquiring things and acquiring a complete collection of things for whatever reason. Yes. So I feel like Pokemon was the first time where you were really incentivized to go and collect things, right? When they made the game, that was exactly the point is they went, oh, we want Gachapon, but in video game format. Right. And I don't know that any other game really did that before that. Not as successfully for sure. So that was a big thing too. And now that's like hard grain in our society. I think that's an interesting point is we, you know, we're talking about here what defines these franchises. I think one of the ones that you clearly put on the the title, the music, got to catch them all. Right. The title, the slogan, everything. Collect-a-thon. Yeah. Oh yeah. It has to be collect a bunch of stuff. Yep. Um, So that's a key factor in here's a wide world of stuff. Go, go and collect it. And that's, that's interesting in and of itself. The other one that I think I just brought up, which is exploration. Mm-hmm. You're you're given you're entered a world, and it's up to you to explore it. You know what though, Pokemon I see, I will say is um, it's less exploration because it is a hard set path. You cannot stray from the path in Pokemon. Now with the open world one, it is different. But in the original Pokemon, no, you had a very limited path that you could go on, and. In order to progress on that path, yes, you had to get key items, but you were still on a set path. There was You couldn't stray from that path. See, and I felt like the world, there was one set path for the story arc, 
but the world itself was open. And the no, more, the, the further, yeah, yeah, just like in something like Elden Ring, right? We consider Elden Ring an open world. Yes, but at like early levels, I could go somewhere in Elden Ring that I'm not supposed to be and get completely fucked. You can't do that in Pokemon. Yes, that to me is the- right? they, they gated you as to where you could go. They kept you safe. They kept you in your safe little box. So they're like, hey, you can explore this box. Yes. Right, and then you couldn't go, once you're done you with that box, you explore this box. As you gained abilities, you could explore more. So for example, it was kind of like a Metroidvania in that same way, where you'd have this section you could go to and then you'd go get- cut the hm cut so that would allow you to progress the story to the next gym for sure. sure yeah but if you weren't solely like i'm going down this path you could sometimes go back to route one or two or whatever the route was and there was a and you could remember there was a plant there that you could cut on the side yes and while that didn't progress the air quote story it definitely was an exploration of the world. So in that way, it treated it as an open world Metroidvania, more like a Metroidvania than an open yes, world. Yes, I will agree that it's definitely like a Metroidvania in the sense that like they encourage you to go back and re-explore those boxes that you were in before yeah. because now you're going to find things that maybe you couldn't access before or that are now available to you. But I don't feel like it, it is... A, an open world exploration type That's game. Fair. It is, it is like I said, little segmented boxes that you can play around in and you are encouraged to go back to those boxes later on. Yeah, that's true. But I, I almost treat it almost like a Breath of the Wild or Breath of the Wild is the same way. You need certain abilities to get access to certain stuff. You need to hit certain story points mm -hmm. to get access to certain parts of the map. Sure, yeah. So it's to me it was open world, but it was gated for children to guide you and then it slowly expand the map to eventually you can go wherever the heck you want. Mm, I still, I, I will still argue that it's not open world. Okay, that's all. fair. So um, what do you think is the best thing from the red and blue and yellow that we got? Like I think obviously all of it started there, mm -hmm. but it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to sit there and look at like the, the red, blue and yellow and say, what, what did this bring forward that was so good? Um, everything. everything. The franchise <laughs> as a whole. And you know what? That might actually be an interesting topic to bring up a little later. Um, so now that we move, we talk about moving on, they had the TV show. Mm -hmm. I think that was an important thing to bring up. Yeah, because the TV show, especially in North America, really like aided to that franchise because it, it took a game that already had a lot of story and really kind of brought it to, I don't want to say to life because it was animated, but yeah. like when you think about it, it, the original Game Boys were very like low res kind of like pixelated art. And as much as you could buy like all these really cool like guides and stuff that gave you the like nicer art for all yeah. the Pokemon, it just didn't like, it didn't really like translate very well into like from what you were seeing on the Game Boy versus what you were seeing in these books. And I feel like the show did a really good job of giving the world and the Pokemon themselves more personality, more character. You really got a sense of like, I don't know, like how these Pokemon would be in a in a real life situation and as a kid you you really want that you want to be able to take what you're doing and say how can i translate this into my world so that i can fantasize about this right okay. how do i how do i find my pikachu right how do i find my my cool little like electric mouse best friend yeah and bring that into my world right so when you're playing a game like that it's hard to like translate that into your world whereas i feel like the show really brought that to life, I suppose. I think it brought to life the original idea, the thing that everyone liked, the journey, the friends along the way. Oh which yeah, is yeah absolutely. You didn't really get to experience in the game because it was just you. Right, you didn't really make friends on the way. You were just like, it was you and your rival. And that was the, it. Yeah, they treated like, oh, I'm I'm a gym leader. I'm now your friend. And you're like, no, you're not. Right, right. You're gonna disappear the moment I step off this screen 
and I'm not going to think about you for another three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I think they did a good job too with the the age group of that show. Like Ash is ten. Who that's that's in, the in, age infinitely ten. Infinitely ten, yeah. And that's the age of most of the kids that are watching that show. We were like between the ages of ten and yep. fourteen, I'd say. And I feel like that was good in that we could really relate to Ash as a kid, a yeah. kid who was going through, you know, the journey of life on his own at the age of 10. <laughs> Little early. You know, that's whatever, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It, it just, it really like resonated I think it did with a good, most people of our generation. It's funny that we make fun of so many video game movies, like taking a video game and turning into a movie right. and they suck or even video game to shows. Where right now we can talk about a lot of good Last of Us. Oh my God, Last of Us. Um, taking a video game and turning it into a show yes. is really good. But back then, it didn't, it wasn't. You no. Had, your best were your ooey bowl movies. And realistically, a lot of times back then, it, it's not that they took video games and made them into a show, it's that they took shows and made them into a video game. So you had these like really shitty, like, uh-huh, yeah. out of like spin off games. Dot Hack. I remember Dot Hack. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking like TMNT or, I mean, Hey, hey, Tur- hey, now. Turtles in Time was good, <laughs> but there was a lot of shitty ones too. Yeah. Um, for the Super Nintendo, the Lion King game, uh-huh, the one that, that gives everybody nightmares. There was like a Toy yeah. Story one. Like, there's a lot of these like shitty games that they literally just developed to sell the movie franchise for like no yeah. other purpose. And the games themselves were shit, but they wanted to sell the movie franchise. This was an interesting twist on that because not only did they take, they clearly, the game developers had an idea. They had a a theory of this world Mm -hmm. and they tried to translate as best they could to a video game. And that's fair. That's even now there's limitations to try and presenting a world. Right. I get it. But then when they brought out the show, they're like, no, no, no. This is kind of what we really did imagine. This is what we wanted the game to be. What came first, the manga or the game? The game. Because I remember there was the there was a manga called Pocket Monsters yeah. that was like only a couple issues, like it was very short, and I don't remember if that came out before the game did. So the game was in development, mm. and that came out to sell the game. Right. So okay. technically, the manga came out first, but it was based off the right. game. Right. And then I think the show kind of took the came manga out off. further. Well, no, no, no. The manga was it, it was based off the game. It was all based off the game. No, because, oh, I guess, no, your main character is Ash in the game. If you really want, that's one of the first names they yeah. put in there. No, okay. it was yeah. based off the game fundamentally. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, and the name Ash was only put in yellow, in the yellow game. Right, because you could be called red or blue. And they had one more name. I don't remember what they had. But they Ash was only added in yellow, and that's why they added the Pikachu. It was too tight to the game because they wanted right, to sell yeah. more from the game. Yeah. Oh, I actually played yellow, funny enough. Not as much because my, that was my brother's game. My brother got blue and yellow for some reason. Yeah. Um, but I always remember having to, like, check on Pikachu's attitude was, like, the most annoying fucking thing in the you world. You know what was weird is I thought it would be more when I bought the game. I remember, I don't know what it was, maybe... Okay, we talk about me and how I see the Matrix a lot mm-hmm. when it comes down to games. And it kind of ruins a lot of my games for me in like a sense of get into the world. Sure, yeah. It, it's easy to break. I never liked yellow because A, I was forced to start with lightning, which was brutal. Yeah, you're, the first like three gyms basically annihilate. Well, okay, no, no first, first one. First one first gym, gym and then. But it was, it was really tough because yeah. you don't really have any good options. And then you do that and you have to check on the, the whole Pikachu's attitude played no factor in the game. No, it did. It did? Yeah. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't he wouldn't fight for you. Never once did I have that actually come. Oh, up. I had it happen. 
Okay, I don't yeah. know what you did to piss him off. I don't know. I had Pikachu mad at me, and then when he was mad at you, you tell it. Kind of like how if you have a Pokemon that's too high a level for the gym badge you have, they'll just like fuck around or yeah. sleep or whatever. He did that. They put that mechanic. So in. he was always either happy with me, or I would kick him out of my party, <laughs> and then I would never think about him again. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> so it didn't really matter. So okay, so we we recognize that red, yellow, and blue defined practically almost right from the get go. Um, we had these defining factors, this adventure, yep. right? Uh, we had the collectathon. Yep. And what other do you think main kind of ideologies this game brought uh, the forth? The battles? I don't think they brought forth it because that's just an RPG turn-based battle. Yeah, but um, specifically the... Um the element system. Yeah. So like this trumps this, this is weak to this, like that whole, I don't, there's, you know what's I, an there's interesting, a name for that. I can't think of what uh, it is at the moment. One thing I don't, I, I'm not sure of is whether or not Fire Emblem brought that out first. Mm. Right, because they had the axe, spear, sword I thing. thought that was only in the later Fire Emblem games. I think you're right. I think it was in like the, like one of the second or third ones, but not the original. Well, the, the second or third ones were out before Pokemon were. Oh, fair enough. Uh, Because Japan. But I do remember that we were listening to that, and I'm pretty sure it was a later. Yeah, I don't remember. Either way, so either that is something, I don't think it was fully new and novel for this, but it was definitely interesting. It was fire, water, Mm -hmm. these elements going against each other. Okay, so we've got the combat and the competitiveness Mm -hmm. of combat, even though things were a little unbalanced. We've got collectathons and really awe-inspiring adventure. Adventure of the unknown, right? Multiplayer. The idea of playing a handheld game with your friends. Trading and... Trading and battling and whatever. Because think about it, like on a console, playing at home, that was the thing you could do. There was always player one, player two, you know, whatever. But that was something that was just in your house, right? And a lot of the first Game Boy games were just something you did by yourself, whatever. I'm pretty sure like the Link cable was specifically developed for Pokemon. If it wasn't, it probably should have been. Because, like, that was a huge part. It was the idea of, like, no, no, you need... I think this was part of one of the videos that you watched. The idea of, like, you need your friends in order to succeed at the collectathon, right? There are Pokemon in this game that you literally can't get unless you go find a friend that has a different version than you. Yes. And that was huge. That was, like, oh, my God, I have to, like, talk to other people to play a game? Yeah, and that's true. I have to, like, make friends and trade. And, oh, my God. And it, it really brought that, like, community, that sense of community okay. to a game. The idea that, like, you're playing this and I'm playing this and I need you, so we're going to talk about it. And because we're, we're playing this game together, we're going to talk about it more. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that, that was huge. That was mm-hmm. huge for the world of gaming as a whole. Yeah, it's not just the player next to you. It's everyone in the world. Right, exactly. It's, it's almost like when you go out, you're on your own adventure and you meet another trainer over there yeah. mimicking the world inside the game as well. And you could either battle or trade just Which, like in the game. oddly enough, goes back to the TV show of the friends you meet along the way in your journey, right? You yep. are literally meeting friends along the way in your Pokemon journey yeah, okay. in real life. Fair enough, fair enough. So moving that on, uh, obviously we know that these games are regarded as amazing. They're glorified in everything, and they should be, right. museum-wise. Um <laughs> Gold and silver. Now, oddly enough, gold and silver, I think, sold the most. I think they did, yes. Um, The question is, I think it's a combination of because everyone was sold on red, blue, and yellow, and therefore by the time silver and gold came out, um, they were famous at that point. So Mm -hmm. everyone knew to get them, so they just got them. Absolutely, yeah. People weren't still learning about them. So what do you think... Obviously, I think silver and gold are considered probably the heights of the the height of, of oh, the games, the yes. best of them. Yes. Even though red, blue, and yellow brought all of these features forward, 
gold and silver made and crystal. Them better. Made everything better. The game was bigger. There was more Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had all the core features of the original. Mm-hmm. It was just more of the same thing at that yeah. point. And I think it was a bit more cleaned up. You know, the story plot was a bit tighter. Everything was a bit tighter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they added that that element of um I don't know, like mysticism and mystery that we really like from Pokemon 2. I think that's when they first introduced legendaries. So no. I remember... Mew- what? No. Well, no Mew- they had the legendary bird. They were literally called the legendary birds. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I and they had Mewtwo. Well, Mewtwo was like man-made though. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know what it is in Gold and Silver that they added that made it like better because it really was just more well, of the same thing. they added night and thing. day cycle. Oh, that's right. And they had night and day Pokemon. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and they also had um, the the three dogs that you had to chase. So you had to chase yeah, it across that. the world. Um, so it was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, but that was also when they kind of introduced the, you are pretty much guaranteed a legendary Pokemon, I think. No, I don't think you were No, you one. weren't. No, you weren't. Because nowadays, you're pretty much guaranteed a legendary yes, Pokemon. Yes, yes, you are. Back then, no, you're right. They didn't guarantee it at all. No. Um, so I don't think Silver did anything to evolve the series. Except no, I for, think it just took what they had and made it better, cleaner, yeah. more defined, I suppose. But they did. They did such a good job. And honestly, like I had Silver and my brother had Gold. We always got opposite ones because my parents were like that. Um, and Silver really stuck with me. Like I, yeah. I loved Silver. And I think... Honestly, I will say that I think Silver had best, some of the best Pokemon designs. I think they really yeah. had, there was a lot of love put into that game. And I feel like the designs for all the Pokemon in the world and whatever were like just fucking on point. Like, oh my God, they're just amazing looking. You look now and you look at some of the Pokemon, you're like, okay, so it's a bag of trash. Literally. Yeah. It's a it's a floating light bulb. Like there's no innovation, no like. I think they I, I think they you can't have them. I'll I'm gonna give them this and say it's really hard to come up with new Pokemon after you've hit like what the thousand mark. Yeah, I, I get don't know how many that. new Pokemon there are. There's I think there's like we're up to like 900 now. <laughs> so I get that. Yeah, it's really hard to keep coming up with stuff. But at the same time, like I feel like they they went away from like the the cool like fantastical designs yeah. and went more for like the um the modern um how can we inject this into like a real world setting you know what's what's interesting is the pokemon people tend to not like are the ones based on human creation so there's like girder who you know brings a steel thing right yeah the ones that are based around human engineering trash bag lanterns right because we like we like cool fantastical monsters we like nature this is about nature yeah something that would be like okay i can see where this might have evolved from like a hyena or a giraffe or you know a lion or something cool i don't want to see something that evolved from i don't know a magnet yeah i mean like yeah it's generation one and that one was pretty lame <laughs> but uh i don't know it just yeah yeah, if I'm playing a fantasy game, and I do consider Pokemon a fantasy game because, oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's hard. It's a sci fi fantasy game. It has yeah, aspects it of sci fi. It does have aspects of sci fi. And sci- uh, aspects of fantasy. But I'd I w- say it's more sci fi than it is fantasy because it doesn't use magic, it uses technology. Yeah, you're right. You're it's right. actually a sci fi. Yeah, it's weird in that the. I, when I originally played it, I really felt like the abilities that Pokemon used were magic even though i knew they were technical machines and they were like the icon was a little cd and they really like brought that home now where like no when you 
teach a Pokemon ability, you're literally like downloading that ability to the Pokemon. They're like no. they're like digital machines. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. No, I always took that as um training. Like you took the CD, you put it into your Pokedex, and you're like, let's go through the Kung Pao moves, you know what I mean? And then you'd slowly train them throughout I mean, the adventure. I guess, yeah. It's just it happened immediately. But I don't know. For whatever reason my brain just always thought it was more of like a fantastical thing. Like they were using like magical abilities, but it's really not. You're right. It's it's technology. The, I didn't think it as magical abilities. I, so the technology comes from the Pokeball, the potion healing, right? The tss, tss, you know, little, <laughs> the little cat sprays spray, that heals spray Windex on spray it. Windex on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's technology. But the Pokemon themselves, that's to me the counterbalance is the Pokemon themselves are nature. You know those like crazy like bug creatures underwater that will like spray a jet of water so powerful it'll just knock out other bugs. Yeah. Or there's like the beetle that like lift people up and then like suplex them. Yeah. This Pokemon to me is that, but like dialed up to 11. I mean, so they're not magical abilities. They're naturalistic abilities that um, are just dialed to the ridiculous levels. I mean, they're getting a little far-fetched now because I mean, after you meet God, it's a little hard to like yeah, to dial it back, back down. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, they're kind of, the line's getting blurred. So but... speaking of gods. Oh God. <laughs> the first God Pokemon that we, I would say God Pokemon that we interact with is in the next generation. So Ruby and Sapphire. No. Yes. Lugia. Lugia is not a God. What does Lugia control? He's the God of the ocean. No. Do you not remember the first Pokemon movie? I get that. But who he, do you he think- He controls like the ocean currents and like the fate of the world's weather. And like, no, he is a God. Yes, but- but let's talk about Ruby and Sapphire. I forget the I names of these I can't talk about Ruby and Sapphire because I never played them. I, honest to God, I will say that when I played Silver, I didn't play the next like, I don't know, six generations of well, Pokemon after that. a lot of people didn't play Ruby and Sapphire. So there's two different people that I've met. There's ones that started their Pokemon journey in Ruby and Sapphire. A lot of people that I hear now Really? That's, started a, weird, that's a weird place to start. There are a few generations younger than us. They're like the uh, next generation okay, I down. guess, yeah. And they got Game Boy Advanced because remember Ruby and Sapphire came out in Game Boy Advanced, which mm -hmm. is why you and I never played it. I did play it eventually, but not right I away. had a Game Boy Advance. I just never, I don't know. I guess I never cared. Really? Yeah, I, I had a Game Boy. I had the... Technically, we had a, the regular advance, and it was like that see-through purple one. And then I got an SP when that came out because that was like revolutionary. Yeah, it was. But uh, I had access to an advance. I just never cared about Ruby and. See, I and never Sapphire. had an advance. I jumped straight to SP, which is around the time Diamond and Pearl came out. Well, and see, I never played those either. Oh wait, was Diamond and Pearl? No, that was DS. You're right. That was DS. I never played a Pokemon on the SP because they didn't exist on the SP. Really, mm. you're yeah. right. It was DS that I eventually played Diamond and Pearl. Um, but they, so they had the, the Ruby and Sapphire. So the, I, here's the problem is Ruby and Sapphire. I guess I'm the only one that can really talk to it. It is the other Pokemon games again. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the intention where it was supposed to be like the new red and blue. Yeah. Right? Now they, they kind of hilariously enough, they kept the same format. They did expand the world a bit more. Now they started to expand the creation myths of the world. Whereas before the Pokemon were just powerful legendary Pokemon. Mm. Now the two legendary Pokemon you get, there's like the dolphin, like not the dolphin, the, the whale like one or uh, like the killer. Yeah. They the were, killer they whale were type both one. like just God awful looking. Yeah. They actually, he created water on our planet. He was one of the fundamental forces that created our planet. I mean, I guess. And then there was the I rock I still say Lugia is a god. Yeah. He's, he's more like a demigod. 
right? One literally created an element. Mm. One controls an element. There's a difference there. Sure, sure. And then whereas the other one created earth and magma. And, and so the, the idea is you have these two Wait, wasn't that gods. like a T-Rex looking thing with yeah. the like derpy little arms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both knew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the idea is these two, they started to create this like creation myth now mm. where these two would battle and um, the idea is they would constantly be vying for territory. Water and earth would constantly be fighting. And if they fought, the world would basically go to chaos. And what was happening is the the villains of this one were finally, I thought villains are like, like, wow, these are real villains. Yeah, wasn't it like Team Magma? Team Magma or Team Aqua, I think. Depending what, on which were they basically just like PETA? No, no. I thought they were ba- like like tree hugging. No, like, that's later. Team Rocket. Basically. That's later. Okay. I don't remember. I think that might have been X and Y or Diamond and Pearl. I don't remember. I the, those those little factoids are not what we're sure, what, yeah. what I'm focusing on, which is why I don't really think about them too much. But these ones, they start here. They started to create the point. The important part that I'm trying to get across is these games started creating the creation myth and really expanding the cosmos of this world. It was no longer just an adventure. Now it was no team rocket or in this case, team magma is literally trying to destroy the world. I mean, yeah. And I can see how that would make for a very epic story. And obviously um, Ruby and Sapphire have been remade. So they were significant enough that people wanted it to be remade. Cause what is it like? I remember what the new ones are. Something Ruby. I think it's one of the new ones that's coming out. Omega Ruby and alpha Sapphire. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they're not new. They're from 2014. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it's funny because around this time they also came out with Fire Red and Leaf Green just after this. Yeah, about two years after this, so like we which were like, already starting to recreate the old yeah, games. Yeah, which is sad. Yeah, it's weird, but people bought them. Like I, that's what I normally play on now is Fire Red and Leaf Green. Or actually, I probably play on Pokemon Let's Go now if I'm going to play those old ones. Mm. But still, you had that, and you had Emerald that same year, 2004. So those are you started to get the expanded myths. So that's something I think they added, but I don't think that's a core value of Pokemon. No, it really isn't. It's not something that when I think of Pokemon, I think, okay, I need like, I don't know, like legend lore. That was never something. It was cool that they added that in some of the later ones, but it's not a core fundamental part of yeah. Pokemon as a whole. And I, that's, that's the thing after, oh, geez, I'd say kind of after gold and silver. Fuck, I'd say after the originals. After, well, okay, after the originals. They really never added anything new to the franchise until we got to, I'd say, X and Y. Well, here's one thing I will say is one thing that they did, interestingly enough, was in black and white. Okay. So in black, so after they had diamond and pearl, which expanded the cosmos even more. Yeah, and, I never played that. No, you never played? Honestly, Adam, I played, you had pearl, right? Yeah, I know I diamond. I diamond. Okay, I played your diamond only because we were dating and you kept talking about how great it was oh. and I played it a little bit and I just I never got into I it. I never I never cared. Oh no, we got the the re-release, the brilliant diamond and shining pearl because no. I remember we both got that. No, we did. Yes, not. you got pearl. I distinctly remember. No. I after this I'm going to go find that. Okay, our, our, yeah, I can guarantee that I've never played we did not get brilliant diamond or shining I'm going to see if I can find the uh mm-hmm. Oh no, we didn't because that came out on the Switch. Adam, You're right, we Adam, the first Pokemon <gasps> set that you and I bought together to play together was X and Y. Because I had Y, you had X. Because I Maybe, really because I really liked the the deer with the rainbow antlers because I thought it was the coolest thing you're ever. Right. Brilliant Diamond and Shine Pearl we never played because that came out on the Switch and it was horribly lauded as just a cheap remake. Yeah. You're right, you're no, right. No, X and Y were the first ones that we kind of like got back into the Pokemon franchise together. Okay, I never left it. Okay, you never left it. I did. I the only <laughs> game I never played was um 
at the, at, during its original release was Ruby and Sapphire because I just didn't have an advance at the time. Sure, yeah. And I didn't have the money for it when I was a kid. But yeah, all those in between, oh, sorry, black and white. You so black, black and white, white introduced something. the first thing, which was bringing the, the lore or the world to another continent, to another style. So originally it was all Kanto, Johto, very Japanese, cliche Japanese. Yeah, but like modern Japanese. And, and modern Japanese, yeah. yeah. Traditional Japanese, modern Japanese. But black, black and white was actually based on New York City. Oh. Now, they didn't do a very good job of translating that, I don't think. I don't think people really got that. No, I did not get that at all. But it was the first to technically do that. It was also where they introduced that po- uh, that trash Pokemon. It was inspired by all the trash yeah, piles. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Of, I bought you know, black and white way later. Um Black and actually, I will say black and white is where they started to introduce, I believe, the national decks. Yes. So that was one of the black and white two specifically because black and white had its own set of Pokemon that yeah. were like specific to that release. Black and white two allowed you to get those Pokemon as well as Pokemon from previous games, which was yes. like not something they really did. Like, yes, black, um, gold and silver did that because you had your original 151 and then you had your new ones that you added for gold and silver, yes. but the other ones had just their own distinct set of Pokemon that were just in that game. And that was all you could get. Yeah. yeah. Whereas black and white two. Yeah. Now you have a national decks. Now you can start trading from other Pokemon games into yeah. that game, which was huge. It's like, Oh my God, I can collect literally all of them now. Like it's not just the ones from this game. I can collect the whole collection. Yeah, Not in each different, have right. them in separate So I will locations. say that that was a new feature that they added that really changed the Pokemon franchise as a whole, because now, yeah. now you have, a whole wide array of Pokemon to choose from for each of your new games, because you can just collect all of them. True. True. And they, they actually walked away from that too recently as well, because they realized how ridiculous that is. The national decks. Yeah. You cannot get every single Pokemon in the new or Pokemon games. They, uh, you can't get them all. You could put them into the national decks. Like, yeah. you know that, you know that like they, they have the, the vault or whatever online that's sure. separate from the games. Yep. You can do that, but you can't pull them all out. Oh, I thought you could. No, no, they got rid of that. They because they realized it's too much work. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah, when you have to program like the animations, the move sets, the sprites for like nine hundred different Pokemon in your game, yeah, it gets a little tedious, especially when you only have like one hundred and sixty people working on your game. So, speaking <laughs> of the next generation from Black and White, which is X and Y, they tried to fix that. If you remember, X and Y was the first three D Pokemon. Yes, and I love that. I think that is like a staple for Pokemon franchise that they cannot get away from now. No, and do you know why they originally went 3D? What what the original intent was? Um, because it's easier. Well, yeah, to support- because because you can model it for one game and then just keep taking those assets and bring them into your next game distinctively. So what they did was they originally created every single Pokemon mm-hmm. high, really high res in 3D art. Yeah, and what they do is they downscale it to whatever that system can handle. It. So that's how they were going to support. The, the the national decks mm, and that makes sense that's how they were going to support it so that they didn't have to reanimate every single time turns out that doesn't work because your style changes right and actually funny enough i don't remember where it was so the that database of all their like really really high res animated pokemon mm-hmm. um they use that still for a lot of like movie posters and stuff yeah they do and people make meme jokes about how they put these pokemon in and they're so detailed that you can literally see like the texture of like their tongue, like their t- <laughs> literal taste buds or like their skin texture and like their pores and stuff. And they're like, this is so obscene. Like, I, I don't think I ever cared as to whether my Pokemon had taste buds or not, right? Yeah. But like, obviously somebody took the time to model those things and they're sitting in somewhere and they so end up just using it. Here's what I got to ask for. 
is we talk about, you know, what what fundamental things are Pokemon, what game, what each of the different generations and games brought to the series mm-hmm. that are famous. Do you think, I don't think 3D is a core value of Pokemon. No, I just think it's something that in this day and age is not something you can get away from anymore. Yeah, I but it's that, not what defines No, Pokemon. God, no. It's what defines video games, but not Pokemon no, specifically. I, don't, I think that 3D is just a stylistic choice. I think it has nothing to do with the mm-hmm. franchise as a whole. Next question is, so we have these, we've been talking about the main lines, but we haven't talked about any of the little sub side quests so far. I will say there's a lot, like I've looked through a list. There's a lot of really shitty like Pokemon <sighs> spinoff games that just have like no premise whatsoever. But I will say there was one spinoff franchise for Pokemon that I really thoroughly enjoyed. And that was Pokemon Conquest. Yeah. Pokemon Conquest, I feel was really innovative in what it was. They took Pokemon they made it a tactics turn-based strategy. Yeah. And they set it in um feudal Japan. Feudal Japan with Nobunaga. <laughs> with Nobunaga. Right, with Nobunaga. <laughs> and like it was just it was so perfect. It was such a a weird I don't know, like side shoot in the Pokemon franchise, but it was done so well. I'm like, fuck, I want more of this. I want like ancient Pokemon. Give me Pokemon in like ancient Egypt. Yeah. Give me Pokemon in like- It didn't make any sense. It felt like Pokemon just brought to feudal Japan because you had things like Girder, which who- carries a giant steel beam. Right, and they hadn't made steel at the time. They didn't made steel at the time. Right. So, okay, fine. Like, I'm fine with that. But I get it. It didn't add to the story or it didn't add to the world, but it was fun mechanically. And I think it really showed that Pokemon can expand past their core. Oh, absolutely. Like, how cool would it be to have Pokemon in, like, Camelot? Like, Mm. the legends of Camelot and, like, dragons and stuff are actually Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon doesn't have to be... It almost inspires you to, like, you know, Pokemon nowadays, they're based on, like, a specific area of the world. Right. Why don't they do, like ancient Egypt Pokemon, you're a pharaoh going on an adventure or right. like a, or a young, your father's the pharaoh. Or sure, some, whatever it is. Or yeah. Whatever. And, you, and if you can be the master, you can be the pharaoh or some shit like that. And your main, the main Pokemons are clearly, many of the Pokemon are clearly Egyptian themed. There's undead. There's, you know, hieroglyphics. You get, you can explain the origin of unknowns. You know what I mean? Right. Or hey, like let's talk about evolution of a species. Like maybe this there's like a pre-evolution of, hey, this Pokemon, this is what it would have looked like, you know, this many yeah. thousand years ago and whatever. Maybe it's been extinct since then or whatever. Yeah. Treat it like you would like actual nature. Yeah. And you how, can, how things evolve and change and whatever. You're not limited to the existing worlds we have today. You can do whatever you want. You can do ancient Asia. You can do ancient Vikings. You can do ancient... Uh, Native Native Americans, right. you know what I mean. You could do ancient Aztec, and and think about how the technology would change because Pokemon is a very technological game. Okay, well now they don't use Pokeballs. Now they actually have to like, I don't know, like wrangle Pokemon and, and actually like train them and work with them without the use of Pokeballs. Yeah, make it like I don't know, like Avatar, Blue People Avatar, not <laughs> Windy People Avatar. Um, you know, where they, they have these like animals and stuff that they they work alongside with and they're very much like in tune with nature, but it's a mutual respect. And maybe you could have it as a mutual respect relationship instead of like an I own you relationship kind yeah. of thing, right? Because clearly they're trying to go for the mutual respect relationship in the theme of Pokemon. Sure, yeah. Because they don't want to get hunted by PETA. Right, Even right. though I think they've been hunted by PETA before. They absolutely have. Um, so I, cl- I think clearly it shows that the world, the world itself is not what defines Pokemon. That can evolve and change. But you could put Pokemon in any time, in any space, and, you know, it would work because it's Pokemon and you can adapt it for whatever but theme I think you want. It clearly sounds like nature is, nature versus technology or 
some variants of that, or at least nature is a strong component. Sure, absolutely. You are exploring nature and natural environments. Yeah. All right, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I agree, by the way, with Conquest. It was probably my favorite. It's hilarious because Pokemon Pinball is very famous, but I don't think it's... I played it a little bit, but I have I don't really have much like memory of it. I, I do remember playing it. I just don't remember it sticking with me in any significant way. Yeah. I also remember seeing a, a lot of like weird, shitty Pokemon Wii games that came up for a while. Like There was one when... Um, Oh my god! What's the game? Hey, it- Shadow Dungeon. I think it was called Shadow Dungeon or something like that. It was very famous. Uh, what's the the battle game with the tops? Is that Bakugan? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think there was so. a Pokemon game that came out when Bakugan was really popular, where your Pokemon were literally battle tops, and you had to like like rips ripcord spin them out and they would just like bump into each other and that, that was them attacking each other it was the stupidest so thing dumb. i've ever seen and i remember seeing it in the value bin of video games at walmart thinking oh my god there's a reason this is here like who would ever buy this <laughs> but again they can they they need to sell that franchise so they'll do it with whatever that's true so okay what about pokemon snap Ooh, see, I have an intense nostalgic attachment to Pokemon Snap. So I sit here and go, I love it. I love the theme of it. I loved taking pictures of Pokemon. I loved like, it was such a simple, stupid game. And yet I loved everything about it. Now, I don't think I played the new one as much as I played the old one. For some reason, I just got bored of the... the... I get it. The new one is very much, hey, it's just like the old one. Yeah. But yeah. the problem is, is there is the original Pokemon Snap came out in 1999. Hmm. So you compare that to, you know, what, when did it come out? 2020, 2021? 2021, I think, yeah. Something like that. Um, it gets a little like, okay, that's like, not special anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the new Pokemon Snap really hammered the idea of repetition. It was the idea of you need to keep doing this level over and over and over and over and over again so that you can take pictures of things that you might not have seen before. Or, hey, the, the 20th time you run through this area, you're going to get an event that didn't happen before. Whereas I feel like the original Pokemon Snap, you could only, it, it was more like progression based. It was like, okay, I go to the next place, the next place. And yeah, I can go back if I want to, to get something that I haven't seen before, but they didn't really force that repetition. That was something you did as a conscious No, choice. the original Pokemon Snap had a lot of repetition. I think the difference here is the internet. Yeah. When you could be told before in order to get, I don't know, I'm just making, I know Whaler's a Pokemon, but I don't think he existed back then. But no. in order to get, you know, this C, uh, I'm trying to think of a really good Pokemon to bring up right now. In order to get this specific Pokemon to appear, you have to activate these three events. Oh yeah. Like I think there was one where it was like Polygon and there was a level where you, you had to get Polygon to show up and it was like super rare and he showed up for like three seconds and then, you know, like just yeah. faded out and you had to um go down like a specific path he had to take a picture of this other pokemon with flash on and it would like startle yeah and it would startle him and he would do this thing and like it was yeah it was a whole chain of events so back then it was a sense of discovery you'd go through the same map over and over again and eventually witness something crazy yeah it was like it was that fuck, you could fuck then around and figure it out fuck around and figure it out and then you go to your friends and be like oh my fucking god i found polygon right right uh porygon or polygon or whatever and then you would no one would know but now with the age of the internet you just go, okay, how do I get Porygon? Okay. Yeah. And it's that it ruins an aspect of that. I also feel like there's more pressure to um, 
find the things that everybody else is finding. Whereas before your community was small. So like between you and your friends, if like somebody said, oh, I found this and I found this or whatever, you go, okay, well that's achievable. Now you have the whole internet and every single person on the internet has found something different than you. So you yeah. feel overwhelmed by all the things that you're not achieving in yeah. your own game. And then you just feel like, okay, well, why am I doing this? If I'm not gonna see half the things that I'm supposed to see, then obviously I suck and I should just stop playing this game. Yeah, it's weird that a game is probably better than the original, but it's perceived as not as good because the world around it has changed. Yes, and yeah, it's just, I mean, that's the age of gaming now. Yeah, it's it's very curious to see that, that I, I you know, if we're talking about how games stick to their roots, Pokemon Snap did a good job of making a sequel. It wasn't the problem of Pokemon Snap, it was us. No, it's the we nature, it's it the nature of, of human competition. It's yeah. the idea that we can't just play a game for the sake of playing anymore. There's always a sense of competition. There's always a sense of, I need to be better than somebody else, or I need to be the best of this game I that I possibly can be. Right, and then when you're not, it just leads to disappointment. Yeah, Whereas before, true. you could just play a game for the sake of playing it, and you know, as long as you're better than your friends, who fucking cares, right? Yes, so I wanna talk about movies for a second. Mm movies did you go to the theaters to see oh the first god, movie yes i got that that mew you got the mew the card? shiny mew pokemon card i was so pissed off i got uh buzz what was his name but electabuzz electabuzz yes i got electabuzz no i got the mew ah uh, i was um, so disappointed you know it doesn't matter anyway because i was a stupid kid and i didn't realize the value of that card and i think i gave it away to some neighbor kid who ended up just like checking the trash anyway so <laughs> i will forever uh be sad for the loss of that card. so what i i'm looking at the list of movies here and there is literally only three movies I ever went to go see. I think I saw two no, of them. No, four of them. Four of them. I saw four of them. No. Oh. Uh, so obviously there's the first movie. Yeah, which I think every child has seen on this planet. And it it, it honestly, I, I cried. I literally cried when all the Pokemon were crying for Ash and they, they resurrected his body with their <laughs> tears. Oh my God, I was hysterical. You are so hilarious because it, it clearly shows the, the definition between you and I, because when I watched that movie in theaters, I remember looking at my friends going, the fuck is going on? Because remember, I believe that these Pokemon's abilities were natural in, in nature. Sure. So I looked at this and went, their tears are revived. It's the power of friendship. What the fuck is Listen, going on? You enjoyed Dragon Ball Z where they like use the power of people's emotions as a spirit you know, bomb. I didn't believe <laughs> in it on an emotional level. I, guess. I watched a animations of people punching each other. It was good animation at the time, which was terrible, <laughs> horrible to say, but I didn't like get invested in the emotional state of everything. Mm, sure. You got invested in like the twists and turns. You know what I mean? The, oh, it was more like a soap opera. It like, was, it was a soap opera for like teenage boys. Yeah, whereas this, everyone cried over it. I'm like, how, this isn't deep enough for me to oh cry Oh my God, over. it was, oh, it was so like emotionally invested. <laughs> Yeah, I was invested. And it's funny that they, it seems like they've brought out a movie pretty much for every generation at this point. Yes. Um, the second one, I think, didn't get nearly as much love. That was one with Lugia yeah. and the, the, the birds. The, the, the three I, dogs. I really enjoyed that one too. I don't think I was as emotionally invested in it as I was the first one. I just, I really liked the theme. I really liked the theme of the birds mm. and stuff like that. And the, the fancy little like pan flute solo that they had to play to <laughs> summon Lugia. Um, and then I think I might've watched the next one, which was that with the one that had to do with Celebi? Uh, I don't know. It's called Spell of the Un Unknown. 
the fourth one, Pokemon Forever, Celebi Voice of the Forest. Okay, that one I kind of watched, but that was it. That was the only, the only Pokemon movies I've actually watched. It's funny because they like Pokemon the first movie, Pokemon the movie 2000, came out in 1999, yep. Pokemon 3, the movie, Spell of Unknown, yeah, and then Pokemon Forever, and then they went, oh, fuck the name convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they realized they're going to make a lot more than they can count. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of these I never really watched, um, which I think didn't really add much to them. Uh, which is sad because no one really watched them until in 2017, they did a movie called I Choose You. I don't know if you ever watched that one. No, me. but I remember you watching that one. That was great. So it was a movie of the recreation of the starting areas of Ash. Right. And it was him coming to terms with being friends with this Pokemon. And it was this, it was a truly like, okay, you know, he, they're becoming friends. It's him and his relationship with Pokemon, with Pikachu. Like, I choose you. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's his, it, the story was him growing from they hate each other to they love each other. And I think that's a really key, important story to oh, have. absolutely, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then they had the Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. I don't know if you watched that one, which is basically a recreation of the first one. Mm, no. No? Oh, no, but I did watch Pokemon Detective. And that Pokemon was really good. Pikachu, yes. Yeah, Detective Pikachu. I honestly, But you I, never played the original game, did you? What? Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu. There was a Detective Pikachu game? Oh my God. It's based off the game. Oh no, I never played it. Holy shit. No, the original Pokemon Detective Pikachu came out in 2016. Oh, sorry. You just totally reminded me of a game that I thought I would never think about ever again. Do you remember Hey You Pikachu? Uh, Do you remember the stupid microphone that you had to hook up to your N64 <laughs> controller and scream into in order to get your Pikachu to do stuff? As I have said many times on this podcast, I never owned an N64. Oh, so You never owned an N64? Nope. Oh my God, that is a huge chunk of my life. I know, but I do know of that game, but no, I never played oh it. Oh my God, it was so dumb. I just remember seeing, there had so many commercials for it. Like at the time, for whatever reason, Pokemon advertising was at peak and there's so many commercials for that game. And it was like kids like sitting on a couch just screaming, hey, you Pikachu. And well, like, this, think about it. This oh game God. with a microphone where Pikachu was reacting to it was kind of like Nintendogs. Kind of, yeah. Old school Nintendo. It came out in 1998. Yeah, that technology is like unheard of back then. No, and it was the year before Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Stadium. Oh, Pokemon Stadium. That was another good one. I hated it. You know what? It was, it was really, really basic for what it was. Like, honestly, you just- I wanted a 3D Pokemon and hired- fidelity on an n64 i wanted the same thing i fucking want today <laughs> nothing has changed i know i know <laughs> honestly you know what i played pokemon stadium for the most the stupid mini games yeah specifically the one where you are there's like a sushi conveyor belt and you play as lick a tongue and you had to like go and eat up all the sushi that is like the only <laughs> mini game i remember but i remember like having a fucking blast with it with my friends yeah that was a great one so we don't think that like do we think the i don't feel like the movies add to the thing no the I movies don't think, are just an expansion of the show yeah they don't add to the franchise at all i feel like they just take what everybody loved about the games and or just, the show I or would the say. show and then just sort of distilled it into a movie yeah now i will say one show that did add finally or i want to say add but definitely hit was oh my god what's it called uh the one pokemon where journey red I think, and blue where it was based on red yes where you follow red 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you got it's to be like, never... I know. It felt like that that uh, that meme. Like, I know that's that location. Uh, I never watched it. I You watched it. And I think I saw like little snippets of episodes. I just never cared to watch it. Was it was really short. And it was, it was a, um, it was more of an anniversary thing to celebrate yeah. the games than anything else. And it was also there to showcase Mega Evolution mm-hmm. uh, at the time. So, all right. So we have gone through a lot of games and not much has really been added. No. Um, Black and white added like, hey, we're willing to go to other locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think to me, a staple of Pokemon nowadays should be various locations just like the pokemon you need to go to different areas of the world and see different themes and different ideas mm-hmm. based on the different locations um sun and moon i think presented the alola evolution so the first time we see evolutions that were like different than the other pokemon yeah so i think the next like four pokemon games what is x and y sun and moon and then sword and shield um really and even like scarlet and, and violet their their big things that they added were a, a special type of evolution, like yeah. a temporary power up. In X and Y, it was Mega Evolutions. Mm-hmm. In Sun and Moon, it was I don't know. They, they, had, they, they just had the evolution. They just had the different evolutions. Like you had Alola, right? They had like Meowth. like region specific styles. Yeah. Um, Which I like, by the way. Yeah, I, I really cool. like that taking it, the old Pokemon and like, okay, this is French Meowth with a with a baguette. Right, <laughs> the idea that like a Pokemon who lives in a different area is still the same Pokemon, just different has sort of evolved slightly differently yeah. for that that area. Um, yeah. Other than that, I I feel like they really haven't added much. Uh, I'd say uh, Sword and Shield and Scarlet and Violet. Um, were the first two to really open up the world as a whole and really hammer that like open world concept. Sword and Shield did not do that. Sword and Shield did. Do you not remember the the, I know. the big they did areas where you could like run around and like see people oh. and like the grass? Yeah, yeah, like they had in Safari Zone. Yeah, but that is like Oh, okay, a so they have thing. a Safari Zone from what, two decades later? Yes. Oh, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm glad they added the Safari Zone again. <laughs> Listen, at least they're trying. Yeah, that's my of, point. Sort of. So uh, I, I don't really feel like they had it. I think they they really went heavy. I think Sword and Shield was the first time. Actually, no, I'd say Sun and Moon was the first time we truly felt like it was not meant to be Japan. Yeah. Black and yeah, white. No, Sun and Moon was like, this is straight up Hawaii. Yeah. We are in Hawaii Pokemon. And it was hardcore yeah, Hawaii. hard Hawaii. Black and white, the creators were like, oh, no, it's based on New York. When I went to New York on a business trip, it inspired me. But no one really understood that until many, Yeah, and many, then Sword and Shield was like hard Scotland. Scotland, which was, I think they, I mean, as an adult, I want them to go a lot harder into yeah. it. I really. But where do you draw that line of like being thematic but not racist yeah right like yeah. you have I to get it. You, you have to go hard but not too hard where you're like not like making a trope out of entire I'm culture s- here's the deals my favorite part of pokemon sword and shield was everyone's memes on the main character oh my female. god they're like scottish accent memes yeah, yeah. oh and then just so be like oh good. fuck you you fucking cat <laughs> I, I can't even do their i can't oh, do it yeah, scottish no, accent, you can't but. even do it justice but it's so good and like they're honestly just their dialect yeah like as you know we we just came back from scotland not that long ago and going there and hearing the way that people talk to each other and like the the different words that they use it's it's amazing that they yeah. like put that in the game You're I, like, I, I wanted that, but I understand why they didn't do it. Sure, I, yeah. I get why, but I'm glad we as 
uh, as the player base got yeah. to, got to our input on it. Because in my mind, canon, that's what that character. The community like. made it, took it to a level that the, the company couldn't. Yeah, without company, getting in trouble, without legally getting in trouble. Right, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. So um, now here's one thing I do want to bring up because we, we're going to jump back just a bit from Sword and Shield because I don't think that I think Sword and Shield started with a really good. Um, I don't know. I don't think Sun and Moon brought any. No, we talked about that. They didn't bring any new mechanics per se. Uh, Sun and Moon, I think, was the first to introduce raid bosses. Really? So it was right. af- it was after the game was done. Yes. You had to go and there was like these Pokemon, there was like dimensional portals yeah. that opened up and you had to go fight these like raid boss Pokemon with yeah. other people. I think Sun and Moon was the first one to do that. Sword and Shield made it better. So Sun and Moon was the first Pokemon game I never beat. I own it and I never beat it. I beat it. I just... Once I beat it, I was done. I was done yeah. with the game. I didn't care about any of the stuff that... Because there's like a whole other game that opens up after the game. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a lot of content. And that's a that's a fairly new addition to a small degree. But So they added that. Um, here's one thing I do want to bring up is Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Yeah, those were cute. They really were. They were silly like non-challenging whatever. Yeah. But it was fun. And it was fun that it was Pokemon co-op. Yeah. Right? I sort of. Sort of. Sort of. It was like, it was a co-op in the same way that like Mario Galaxy is co-op. It was like, oh, (laughs) your younger sibling, go collect the star bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least they kind of tried and at least you got to sort of play it together and that was fun. Well, that to me was the entire point of it. Um, At this point in time, when this came out, a lot of my friends who are, we're 35 now? You're 35. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm still 34. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're six months younger than me. Uh-huh. Uh, right. The six months matter. <laughs> um, so they, at this time, a lot of my friends had their kids at just the right Pokemon age. They were right. just hitting the same age we were when we first started playing Pokemon. And so I always viewed this because all my friends around me went, oh, yeah, I'm playing Let's Go with my kid. Right. And I just went... That's what this is about. Yeah, it's getting the newest generation into Pokemon. It's That's saying, why it was co-op. Hey, nostalgia fuck, fucking weirdos. Um, we need you to introduce this game to your kids. Your kids keep buying it after you're dead. Yeah. So here's a game that's like super cutesy. It's like super like fun style. It's really super ap- easy. Re- really approachable. It's physical so kids get to throw stuff. Yeah, it's stuff. really approachable. Get your kids into it, right? Yeah. And I think it kind of worked. I really do. Because there was a lot of kids who really enjoyed playing those games yeah i love um, it. it honestly it's one of my favorite in the franchise in a very long time i think that it was pokemon distilled down into like its most basic level yes which, which is why i love it yeah and then that's fair i feel like but it, to me it evolved certain aspects it took the and we'll talk about it the pokemon go stuff which was fine like the physical throwing stuff sure yeah um it the most important change it made for me was that Pokemon weren't um, random encounters because what that did was it inspired and encouraged you to explore. Yes. It improved the exploration. Go into the grass and see if you can physically see that Pokemon that you want to get. Not only that, but because you're not randomly going into fights, you're more comfortable running around the world and running into grass. Yeah, and that was one of the things I will say about the older Pokemons is I hated running around the grass because I didn't want to, you know, encounter like- The grass was fine. It was the fucking caves. I didn't want to encounter like the fucking like 200th Rattata or, yeah. you know, the 600th Zubat. Like it just got to a point where you're like, oh my God, please put on repel spray to get me the fuck out of here. Right. You don't want to explore because you don't want to deal with that annoyance. Yeah. Whereas I really enjoy the new ones. Yeah. You know what? They still sneak up on you. 
Yeah. I, I like playing the newest one. I, I'm playing, we have Scarlet. Um, I find that even in an open world where you see all the Pokemon around you, there are times where because the Pokemon are actually like sized differently in the grass or whatever, you'll be running somewhere and you just won't see a Pokemon you run into and you go, oh fuck, well, I guess I'm battling it, right? Yep, yep. Or um, Pokemon have different aggression levels. So you're sitting somewhere and sometimes Pokemon will run away from you. Sometimes they'll yep. come up and they'll be curious. Sometimes they'll just run up and try to bull rush you. Yeah. So like you have to, sometimes you have encounters that you wouldn't normally want, but at the same time you can, you can, you can kind of pick and choose like what you fight. And I like that. I like that, that choice. It where, allows for more exploration. Yes, You're absolutely. not afraid and annoyed to explore. Exactly. Yes. And Pokemon Let's Go introduced that. And it I, did. And I think, it, I think they addition. did a good job. To me that, that I don't think it's a key aspect. I no. think it enhances one of the existing aspects, which is exploration. Yes, exactly. So we haven't, I, I, I'm kind of setting a stage here. Yeah, yeah. Is that in how many years since basically 2000 and whatever, 1996? 97. No, that's 97. No, it was 96 when the original games came out. I in think. Japan, they came out in North America. No, scroll 97. up, scroll up. It'll say they all came out 96. In Japan. I guess. I'm pretty sure they released no, the year blue, after. No, blue came in 1996. Red and green came out in 1996. Blue came out later oh, in that okay, year. Okay, whatever. Which meant the United States. So in how many decades there has not been a change? Our core fundamental values have not evolved. No. But, but I have to give them this. They have not shied away from their core values. No, they, Pokemon is weird in that it has never really um innovated that much they get brave every once in a while and they'll throw like a new feature in a or tiny they'll, like, aspect of a right, feature or they'll like change something ever so slightly but the the games themselves are always fundamentally the same and and funny enough the games are so the same that it is that you could kind of play each one of them and it, it, it's I don't know, like it's by the book. Yeah. You have a person who goes on an adventure, who has a has a, a rival, rival, who, you know, the league. right, goes to the Pokemon League, defeats the whatever Elite Four or whatever they are in the other ones. Yeah. Um, you have a professor in every single one of them who gives you Pokemon for one reason or another. And, it's, and they're always fire, water, and grass. Yeah, fire, water, <laughs> grass. And it, it's just, it's like the same story, I don't know, whatever over and over and over and over again yeah and you would think see that, i treat that as there is no story well i mean they try there's mechanics there's mechanics yeah. they're not story they try they try to make you care about whatever the fuck's going on in the game but fundamentally it's always the same and you would think as the community and as people who enjoy these games that you would get sick of that after a while like you would want something more and i feel like a lot of people more than ever now are sick of that i feel the newest I feel like Scarlet really tipped the balance. Yeah, Scarlet and Violet is very um I don't know, it's kind of a contentious release where it's like a lot of people really liked the idea of the open world, but again, people are getting really sick of playing the same shit over and over and again without anything new being added, without any kind of I don't know, like fundamentally new design mechanics, anything. And yeah. you sit there and you go, "Okay, well, why am I paying $80 for this game?" Yeah. Like why? There's no reason. I can I can still be playing Sword and Shield. It's I can play game. every. Most people who play Pokemon do not play competitively. No. Um, the average and, person doesn't care about having like the best. Uh, oh my god! What do you call that? A AVs or AVs? Yeah. Yeah. Like there AVs are, and IVs. I never realized, and I kind of like went down a rabbit hole at some point and looking into Pokemon. IVs. There, just IVs. Is it IVs? I think it's just IVs. There is a 
like mathematical perfection that you can achieve in Pokemon for like a tournament level team. And you have to. And you have to. And it's like, okay, well you need to like breed this with this and there's like a percentage chance you'll get these stats and then there's a percentage chance you breed that with this. And I'm like, oh my God. Like it's Excel spreadsheet. Pokemon. I'm fine with that. I love the fact that this can go from a very simple thing that children can play to on the other scale, it's a mathematical Excel sheet, competitive perfection. Yeah. And if you want that, that's fine. That is obviously something that you want out of the game and it caters to that for that niche group. But, oh man, that is way, way deeper than I thought you could ever go into this franchise. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess I just wish that they actually cared about what their community wants. And now it's become one of those things where people are just going to buy it because it has a Pokemon name on it. Yeah. We're so ingrained in this ritual now nostalgia that we just can't give it up. We can't because it is the same. It's the same thing that we've always had. And we love that thing that we've always had. So we're just going to keep buying it because it's what we love, but we want more. I don't know. There's a problem that we're hitting right now, which is I think, And I think this comes down to, so we can start kind of talking about does the game stick to its roots Mm -hmm. and does it, should it be put down? Should it be old lassied? Um, Or at least go into, I I usually say a game franchise shouldn't die. It should just be retired. It should slumber. Yeah, go quietly. Until a new group of people can come back and say, let's pick up this thing and do something with it that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Um, But let's say something for Pokemon. I, what's hilarious is a lot of the franchises that we talk about we talked about Witcher and how the new versions of Witcher um, are not the same as the old. They have lost their way. They have fundamentally lost their way. And same thing for a lot of Star Wars as well. Witcher as in the show? All of or- it. The, the progress of everything that has come out. So The Witcher 3 was the peak. Yes. Right? And then since then, the show came out, which was pretty good. And it's been going downhill since then. Yeah. So the newest products have been slowly losing and losing and losing what made Witcher great. Yeah, I suppose. It's like it's almost like they forget what makes them lovable in the first place. Exactly. What makes them them. Yes. Pokemon is not that. Pokemon is something that to its detriment has so staunchly stuck to its roots. Yes, that is true. It's it's almost like you this teaches us a valuable lesson that just because those were your lessons, you know, two decades ago doesn't mean you should just adhere to them like some ritualistic god. Right. They're Honestly, I understand from a business standpoint that it is the safe route to take. Yeah. They know that they will guarantee make a lot of money. Like Until we stop giving A stupid amount of money. Not even, because I feel like even the newest generations of people, like after us, are invested in Pokemon and don't have the same complaints that we do because they, they never, they haven't played Pokemon as long as we have. So they haven't been exposed to that same repetition that we have. Now, inevitably, yes, if they keep doing it, they're going to get to the same point that we are. Where they're like, oh my God, this is the same game that I played like 20 years ago, but it hasn't changed at all. Why am I playing this still? Yeah. But it, again, they haven't been playing it as long as we have. Do you know? So, so I think that's, that's a huge aspect of this, which is now we got to the point where um, like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet got hammered on because of the graphics and the glitchiness and so yeah, on and so forth. Because it felt lazy. It felt like here's a game that we just have to put out to sell this franchise, but we wanted to put like the minimal amount of effort into it. And then, you know, when the, uh, 
I don't know, the flaws of our game are brought up, we just go, oh, well, it's it's, it's the system's fault or, oh, it's uh, this other person's fault. They take they, they put the blame anywhere else but themselves, basically. Yeah. So Arceus comes out. <laughs> and I think that was a huge, everyone's like, we want open world. We want open world. Arceus came out and it was, I don't call it open world. I call it more like the monster hunter sectional world. Yeah. Yeah, and I tried, I, I did try RCS for a while, like way after it came out because it was on sale and I just, I don't know. I no, it never came on sale. Don't lie to me. I thought it did. Pokemon games have never once gone on sale. Okay, well, then I guess I paid full price for it way after the fact. Yeah. But. Um, don't lie to me and try and tell us you saved money for the household. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, oh honey, it didn't nearly cost what you thought it cost. Yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't play it, honestly. I don't know what it was about that game. It was, yeah, it was cool that it was open world. I did enjoy that fact, but it just felt so It felt half-assed It felt world. so empty as a Pokemon game. I don't just mean like the world felt empty. I mean the game itself, the mechanics, the core gameplay itself just felt so empty. What's hilarious to me is here's what I felt like when I've played the last few games. All right. To be fair, I never played Scarlet <laughs> when I've watched well, yeah. them. Oh, actually, I never played RCS either. Um, you watched me play it. I watched and it. And got frustrated watching me play it. Yeah. Um, I think what's happened is I had been touting for so long. I, it almost feels like the community. I, I feel like it's myself, but also with the internet, you're in an echo chamber. So it's hard sure, to tell. Yeah. Is it just the echo chamber returning back or is it actually the community? It's hard to tell sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I hear from the community that you, we want open world. We want, you know, this very open world where we're asked to explore a world. We want Elden Ring kind of open world. Sure. And they, but we just keep saying we want open world. And then they come back and they give us Arceus and they go, well, do you really want open world? Here, we'll give you an open world game. It's a shitty facsimile of an open world game. And then you go, this sucks. And they go, see, you didn't actually want open world. They go, no, we do, but put Pokemon mechanics into the open world. Right. And complete it, make it an actual open world. So then they put out Scarlet and Violet. Like, see, it's an open world with actual Pokemon mechanics. Do you want that? And you're like, no, because it's glitchy and fucking shit. Right, because you half-assed <laughs> it. And it, my frame rate is like, I don't know, eight frames a second. Yeah. So uh, it looks like I'm, I don't know, moving in slow motion half the time. And the things that are rendering, I don't know, five feet by my character are just giant pixelated blocks. Yeah, like, and it's, it's just... <laughs> They, they say, I almost feel like what's happening is we're saying we want here. We are telling you what we want. And the Pokemon company goes, you don't, it's that, it's that um, world of Warcraft blizzard thing. You don't want that. Yes, we fucking do. And then they give it to us, but in like a shitty half-assed overcooked or undercooked, I should say format. And they go, and then we complain that it's shit. And they go, so you didn't actually want it. Yes, we do. We just don't want a shit version of it. Right. And honestly, what that comes down to is just poor business practice. What it, what what they're saying is we understand that you want this. We just don't want to invest the time, the money, and the manpower to give you what you want. Yeah. Because making an open world is not easy. I get it. It takes a shit ton of resources. Yeah. It takes a lot of people, a lot of time to put in all those assets and like make the programming so that the world is cohesive and smooth and whatever. And as we found out today, the Pokemon company has a very, very small staff for one of the largest franchises in the fucking world. And they come out every year. Right. So for example, Call of Duty, the team that does Call of Duty, the, the, you know, the same Call of Duty, uh, slap the Call of Duty sticker on it and here's a new game every single year, um, has over 3,000 people working on a single title for that year's release. Yeah. The Pokemon company has 160 people. Yeah. Working for their releases that come out pretty much at this point, yeah, almost every year, every, every two year. years. 
So that is a huge difference in manpower. And it shows. It shows in the quality and in the effort that gets put into their games. Yes. Because at this point, it's not about what people want or what people are asking for or whatever. It's about making money. Yes. And they know that they can put minimal dollars into a franchise and they will still get asked tons of money thrown at them. So I think this this brings us to the next phase. Yes. Where, okay, we've talked about the video games. We've talked about some of the movies and yep. shows, uh, the side video games, obviously the main video games. One thing I, we didn't talk about was the card game. I don't think we have much to say on that. I think we've talked about this. No, honestly, the card game was such a weird thing. Like, okay, so obviously there is a very um, devoted community to the card game. Yeah. Like obsessed. People are obsessed. and Which ma- I think it's a good addition because a collective card game game adds into the collective like you can ask mcdonald's they found out just how like scarily obsessed adults can be (laughs) about pokemon cards and how like they will like burn down a mcdonald's franchise if they don't get their goddamn pokemon cards in their happy meal like it's scary i forgot about that oh man and they're still making the same mistakes i think they just released another set of pokemon cards at another franchise restaurant and they don't care they'll make the money yeah they will it's just people are like scary about it yeah um but uh yeah, I don't know. The Pokemon card game itself, I feel like is less about the actual card game and more just about like, again, the collection. It's another collection to have that a lot of our generation is very nostalgic about because that it came out when we were kids and it was one of those things you did as a kid. And honestly, like who actually played the Pokemon card game when you were a kid? No, you collected them. Right, exactly. I have no fucking idea. I, I understand that it's kind of like magic where you have like, you know, your energy cards and then you have like battle abilities and obviously there's health counters and stuff. But like, fundamentally, I have no idea how to play the Pokemon card game. No. It was just like, hey, these cards have really cool art on them and I could put them in a card sleeve binder and I could show them off to all my friends and it gives me bragging rights. And every once in a while, I'll trading. get one that's like foily and shiny and holographic and that's fucking cool. Yeah, and but, it was uh, trading. It was it was the same thing as the game, just a physical card. Yeah. Which- so honestly, yeah, the, the card game is weird in that it's as popular as it is without a lot of people even actually using the card game for what it is. Mind you, it has a huge tournament scene. I'm well aware of that. Like when we go to our local game store on any given day, you can walk to the back of the store and there's going to be at least some person in there playing Pokemon. Yeah, for sure. Right. And like people still buy the cards. It's, it's probably just as popular as magic, maybe a little less, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird, but I don't feel like it, it added or even really detracted from the franchise in any way. I feel like it was just one of those things that like just sort of came along with everything else. Like, yeah. hey, you know, we have a game, we have movies, we have TV shows, let's make a card game, right? Like, why not? Yeah, it's, it's very clear the video games define the franchise. Absolutely, yeah. Without a doubt. So now that we're, we're there, we've, we've kind of talked about each parts of the franchise and so on and so forth. The first question we have to ask, the simple question is, have they stuck to their roots? <laughs> Too much. I feel like their roots go to the center of the earth and they are they are just <laughs> embedded in the core of our planet and they're going to be there forever. <laughs> the heat death of the universe will happen and they'll still be the core of Pokemon yeah. somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, so you think that... Okay, so it's weird that we have this dichotomy because we do this in different various episodes. This one where we have, they stuck to their roots and yet it's still fucked up. Yeah, and it's hard to say too because like, we only have the view from the North American standpoint where Pokemon is a cultural phenomenon. It really is, but it's cultural phenomenon in that like purely nostalgic kind of way. Now. Now. Um, whereas in like say Japan, 
it is literally a part of their culture. Like people who don't play Pokemon still know what Pokemon is. Yeah. Because it is like everywhere. It is like they're. I would say like even country, here, people who don't play Pokemon. Mascot, basically. I, I would still say even here in Canada, in the U.S., people who don't play Pokemon. Yeah, know what but Pokemon it's more, it's more there. Like it's it's branded everywhere. It's on their food. It's sure. on their buildings. It's on their like. It's part of their tourism. Like it's literally their country is Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. Right. So it, there's a little bit of difference here. So. Whereas we think that Pokemon has stagnated and is not, I don't know, it's not going anywhere as a franchise. It's such a part of like Japanese culture that I, maybe they view it differently. Maybe they want it to be the same because <sighs> I don't know, it's so hard grain into everything that they do. As far as I'm aware, and again, this could be just we're from the outside, but Japan has a strong sense of tradition. Yes, absolutely. And therefore, it sounds like they almost view this as now a tradition. So they don't yeah. want it to change. Whereas America, Canada, and the US tends to look to towards the future. Yeah, like, we're, no, we're changing constantly. We're constantly evolving as a society and we like pushing the envelope. Which isn't and, like, to say Japan things. doesn't. It's just we don't have that same... We almost shun tradition, whereas Japan embraces tradition. Right. They have innovation through tradition in an odd way. Like their innovation is still propelled by their like old world traditions and their like ideals and whatever. Whereas we're just like, nope, fuck everything old, burn it all. We need to rebuild new kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very different. And, you know, maybe they've kept it the way it is because that, I don't know, that culture wants it to be that way. Yeah. And uh, frankly, I'm sure there's a lot more Japanese people who are embedded in the Pokemon franchise than Americans. Well, even if they're not, they're Japanese creators. So that's true, yeah. they feel it through their through that country. Yeah. They feel that tradition through that country. They don't feel it through us. And again, through the echo chamber of the internet, like, yes, we hear all these complaints about Pokemon not evolving, not listening to the community or whatever, but they're all North American um, yeah. commentators right we don't know how the japanese feel about it i don't think i've ever watched a video you know that states how japan feels about the newest pokemon games i'm sure that they enjoy them as much as anyone else does but maybe they don't care whether it's different or not so yeah. it's hard to say and i think so i think that's what's interesting about this is is it is something that has stuck to its roots we don't deny that we can't deny no, it it's we so obvious cannot. yes <laughs> But that sticking to its roots so concretely, not just in the sense of the ideologies behind it, like we know it's going to be about adventure, it's going to be about collecting, yep, um, and it's going to be about community. Yep, those are the three fundamentals. And battling, uh, battling, sure, yeah. I don't even know if battling is true because we did that with the card game. It's not about the battling. Yeah, we talk about the show. It's not really about the no, battles. It's about the frenzy. I feel along like the way. you couldn't make a Pokemon game anymore without having the battling aspect. I don't agree. And the reason I say that is because one game we didn't bring up, mm. which was Pokemon Go. It has battles in it. You battle gyms. Not you until later. Not until later. And that was after its big fame. Mm. After it was big. What it was about is getting out of your house and going to do adventures. I guess. But I, I honestly Which we don't. have to get back into that. I always want to do that to force me to walk, but you it know, never it's happens. You know, it's too late. It's too late. That's, it's such a money grab. Honestly, at this point, yeah. it's pay to win and you cannot play the game unless you give the money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what we what we enjoyed about Pokemon Go is not what Pokemon Go is anymore. You're right. You're right. And honestly, I will say that I don't feel like Pokemon Go fit into Pokemon franchise. I don't actually feel like that game belongs in the Pokemon franchise. I oh. feel like that was just something separate that had the Pokemon name slapped on. I don't it. agree with you. I think that was that game. The reason why it was so impactful was it was 
it kept to the the original version of it and the original what we thought of it I kept mean, yes, to the fundamental real, ideologies real world Go out exploration on an adventure, and adventure yeah. and make friends and community and yes. make friends okay. and community how right. many people did we talk to that we've never talked oh to before during that, that was you know there's jokes on the internet that the the summer of 2020 when pokemon came out was like the closest thing we've ever had to, to world, world peace <laughs> and i honest to god remember was it 2020 i think it was 2020 no maybe, it was early in that because 2020 2020 man it was covid still right it was before that yeah okay maybe you're right but i just i do like i remember going out to like a park or down to the riverfront and then just seeing people on their phones walking around and like seeing their screen knowing they're playing pokemon and just like striking up a conversation with them or sitting at a pokemon stop waiting 2016 for it. okay wow it's a lot earlier than i thought um i feel like we didn't play it till like at no least we played it right away we probably not probably because the winter it came out in the winter for us uh, maybe but yeah man that summer we met a lot of people and we made like there was a whole no, community. it came out in July of 2016. So we did play it pretty much right away. Mm, okay, yeah, fair enough. We didn't really get to play it till the next one because I think it was glitched really badly yeah, during the first I part. Yeah, I feel like it had, a lot of, it had a lot of growing pains, especially with their their Google Maps. Yeah, uh, and we then played also, it during the fall, which was the big period. And then the winter came and we basically couldn't play it much because we live in Canada Yeah, and everything's frozen. Uh, and then during the next summer, we went nuts. Yeah, yeah, that was such an odd phenomenon that that took on such a, a life but i think it's an important because it brought the the key fundamental facts but i think it, this franchise shows the proof of stick to your roots but don't don't stick to the ideas of your roots don't stick to the mechanics of your roots right yeah don't be afraid to innovate within the confines of what you've set up in your franchise like yes are you taking risks? Sure. Not, not every game that of Pokemon that's come out has been successful. There's been some pretty shitty games. Yeah. And I get that like, they're more willing to innovate with their little like side games than they are for their main franchise because they know that they need the money from their main franchise in order to have these little like side things. And sure. a lot of times- then go the, have a very big open world MMO side game. Right. And I, and I feel like your main a game. lot of the side games are generally made by different developers, which is the only reason why they're they're innovated differently. They like, yeah. obviously they are like co whatever with the Pokemon company, but a lot of them are like completely different developers who are like, hey, we just want to use your name, but we're going to make this other game. And they're like, yeah, I guess if you really want. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, so- you kind of judge that. Do you think this franchise needs to be put down for a bit? You know, it's hard to say. I, part of me says yes, and part of me says no. Does it deserve another release next year? Does it deserve the billion dollars it gets next year? Sure. I think it's not so much that I don't think it deserves another release or that I, it bothers me that they come up with a new Pokemon each year. I think that... Eh, how do I put this? Um... It, it bothers me that they continuously shun any kind of feedback from the people who are giving them money. Sure. Um, and I think that their ignorance is going to eventually bite them in the ass. I feel like it will get to a point where people will just eventually just stop caring so much about their games. Um, you can only, you know, light a fire under people so often <laughs> until they just, you know, stop the, stop enjoying getting burned. Yeah. Um, especially since, like, titles nowadays are expensive it's 80 dollars for these games and we're kind of getting into this world this like post-pandemic financial crash yeah where people are a lot less willing to spend that kind of money on a title that they don't think is going to be worth their money and 
even in Scarlet and Violet, like I know Scarlet and Violet sold well because really they well. like, well, Christmas release, right? One of the best selling Pokemon games they've ever had. Yeah. And they, they timed it really well with being available for Christmas because it became a big, like I know a lot of you who bought Scarlet and Violet for the kids for Christmas yep. because it was an easy gift. But I feel like if they keep down this path, people are going to look at this and go, well, am I going to spend $80 on this? Or am I going to go spend $80 on something that I'm probably going to enjoy more? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to enjoy Pokemon because it's Pokemon. And it's what I've always loved, safe. but it's safe. But do I need this? Or can I just keep playing the Pokemon that I already have and get the same experience? Yeah, that's true. Um, I think it does need to be put to rest for a while, at least until here's the deals at this point. It is, it's gotten to the point where it's not a game anymore. It's a money-making machine. Yeah. It's not art anymore. It's science. Yeah, it's true. And I think until, until we have people that are willing to come back to us as an art form and go, I'm willing to resurrect this as an art form, it needs to be put to rest. I also think too that, you know what? If the Pokemon company wants to run their business with such a limited amount of staff and resources, that's fine. But then don't put out a Pokemon game every year. Like, I don't care. The problem care. Is, is they, for the same amount of resources and the same amount of time, right? For one year, one year of work for a hundred people costs X dollars. Sure. And yet they put out the game and they make many X dollars. I know, I know. So if we don't teach them the lesson of, no, I'm only going to buy every second or third game, right? Yes. Then they're never going to learn the I lesson. Know. And the, honestly, the biggest problem here remember, is, is the community. Remember when I told you not to buy Arceus and I told you not to buy Scarlet? Okay, I will say that Arceus was an absolute waste of money. Scarlet is not the You've worst. You've gotten what? One, two badges in I've it? two badges. Okay, that's mostly because I keep getting For distracted 80 by fucking the, dollars? But I'm not unwilling to go back to Scarlet. That's something that I will like pick up and play for a little bit but every so, once in a while. are you fun when you do it? Or are you ritualistic doing it even though it upsets you? I'm having fun doing the things that I enjoy doing in games, which is exploring, collecting treasures, and collecting Pokemon. The problem is, is like those three things in that game... I found other games that are giving me Doing a better, better version of that. So that's yeah. why that's why I keep kind of going away from it. Which is my entire argument, which is it's not worth $80. And the only way we're going to teach them is the same thing I've always been saying, which is don't spend money. Let them show us. Now, here's one thing I want to present to you. So we've determined it's not, I, we've determined our, our final. Yes, it's not. You need to play Temtem. <laughs> no, because you know what? I will say that one of the biggest things about Pokemon that I enjoy is the designs of the Pokemon themselves. True. Temtem look retarded. They look like the inbred stepchildren of Pokemon. Like some of them are just the most awful designs I've ever seen. They look fine. They're just not nostalgic. That's your problem. Sure, maybe, just not nostalgic. maybe it's not. But like, I don't know. I just don't feel like Temtem is worth it okay. for me to invest time into. I think you're just being restrictive from from uh, nostalgia. I think that's a problem that you're 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 not letting what could be explore. Sure. All right. I mean, maybe. So we've determined Pokemon has not lost its way, but still, it probably it has problems. And we're back. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Due to some technical difficulties, we had a slight interruption in our uh, in our podcast here. Yeah. Uh, first time I ran into that problem. Uh -huh. yeah. Now we know how to fix it. Yeah. Um, where were we? So we were discussing that um, we've come to the conclusion that Pokemon, while it keeps to its roots, however, 
clearly keeping those roots so hardcore and so mechanically, not in the vague concept of their of their roots. Like it has to be about adventure, has to be about this, mm. um, it has to be about adventure, has to be about collection. And what was the other one? Uh, adventure, collection, and uh, exploration. Community. Oh, and community. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's adventure. So I, I guess, put yeah, that yeah, on adventure, right, right. exploration, community, and collection. Yep. Um, and so we determined that they stuck to the mechanics of how they used to do that um, so staunchly that it no longer it is now hurting them. Yes. That's kind of where we got to. So to reinvigorate, I was saying that um, it it needs to die until we're willing, until someone with an artistry mindset is willing to pick it up rather than another Activision Blizzard who just wants money out of it. I don't necessarily think an artistry mindset, it just so much as a- A um, care, it's not about the, it's about creating a world, not about creating money. Right, a respect <laughs> for the franchise and for the game as a whole, and honestly, a love. Like, you can tell that the people who make the best games are the ones who, like, legitimately love what they're doing, and they love that franchise, and they want to- um, honor it in the best way possible. It's kind of like how Breath of the Wild came out where I guess there was a new developer that came out and they basically gave it to the young crew who mm -hmm. grew up on Zelda and they eventually just sort of went, well, we're going to do it different but the same. Right. We're going to do our what we imagined Zelda to be when we were yes. younger. It wasn't what it was, but it's what we imagined it. And it turned out fantastic. And it turned out fantastic. So that's kind of what we need is we need that yes. youthful group to come in and say, we're not going to make what Pokemon is. We're going to make what we thought Pokemon felt like. Right. Yes. So, okay. That's fair enough. So now that we're done that, we're, we'll, we'll pivot over. We'll, we'll, we'll pivot over. We'll pivot over to uh, <laughs> the section of the show we like to call the pow. Pow. <laughs> which is pow. Which is playing and or watching. This is where we kind of talk about news, news topics of the week and um, also kind of things you've been watching and playing, things that have kept you going. Mm -hmm. So as the guest of the show. Yes. What have you been playing and or watching. Well, speaking of uh, exploration and collecting and, you know, <laughs> cute, shiny things, I've been playing Genshin Impact again. again. Again, after a long period. Yeah, after this is like my third or fourth time putting it down, picking it up. And honestly, I have such a love-hate relationship with this game. I, I understand that it is 100% a gachapon, like whale feeding, money making scheme. Yeah. It's not even a game; it's a scheme. It's like a mobile game, but not on mobile. It's on mobile. Is it? Yeah, you literally most people play it on mobile. Actually, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a mobile game, um, and I love so many aspects about this game. I really do. I love that it's like an open world, like shiny, cute, playful Breath of the Wild that's anime style, yeah. right? That's my favorite thing is going around the world and like exploring these little nooks and crannies, climbing up every goddamn mountain in existence, you know, like collecting all these like random little treasures and, and ingredients so I can cook food and whatever. Um, and collecting in that game is, is very satisfying too. You collect characters essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. And the problem is, is like, fundamentally the collection part is you basically almost can't do it unless you just shovel money into it. Yeah. And that's what frustrates me the most is I love this game and I want to love this game and I want to get everything that I can out of this game, but I'm so unwilling to spend thousands of dollars on shitty gachapon RNG to get what I want out of this game. And it's funny because if they had just done, here's the pay $80, mm -hmm. here's the game, it gets you this much. And okay, here's an expansion for 30. Here's another expansion for 30. You likely would have spent that money. Oh, sure. Whereas now you spent no money on the game. No, I haven't spent a penny because I, it just, I don't know, it bothers me that I can spend a lot and never get what I want out of it because it is, it's 
RNG. It's gambling. It's, yeah. you know, you have to buy this box or whatever. Well, no, they gave you buy wishes. And sure. when you spend a wish, you have like a stupidly low chance to maybe get a character. You don't get to choose what character you get. You just get a character. And if you already have that character, well, sorry about your luck. Yeah. Right. It's just like, well, fuck me. Like, how do I, how do I get the stuff that I want to get when the entire mechanic of this game is against me? Yeah. It's to me, the problem is it's fundamental gamble. They do all the simple things that they do all the same techniques that casinos do. Oh, absolutely. They try and get you in there on a regular basis with FOMO. Like, Oh, you don't miss out on this event. Don't miss out on that event. Yeah. Classic. Uh, Same with casinos do that uh, as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're like, oh, if you don't come today, you won't get your points for this where you'll miss out on getting right. that, right? Classic technique. Um, they make it so that you're not spending money, you're spending chips. Right, in that game, it's like crystal. Actually, they have like four different types of currencies and each one of them is not interchangeable with each other. So it's yeah. like kind of odd. But and They make it confusing. They always make it so that the prize is a little is worth a little bit more than a single purchase of those. Yes. So you have to buy two of them, but then you're left over with some extra, which then goes, well, that's just sitting there being wasteful. So you might as well so you might more, as well spend more, yeah. but then you're always got a little, the math is just right to never balance out. Oh, it's very predatory and I get that. And honestly, that's why I keep kind of picking it up and putting it down because they do, they do release a lot of content for it that you can play without spending money. There's like new areas that they come up with every once in a while. I think they've released like two or three new areas since I've played it. Um, and one of the main things I enjoy is explain, exploring new areas because that's exploration. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so I can play it for that and be okay with that. But once that runs out, I'm done. I put it down. I don't pick it up again for several years until they come Mm -hmm. up with new areas to explore because that's all I can get out of that game. And I know it sounds like a lot of complaining for something that I'm choosing to play, but it's one of those things where like, I want to play it. I really do. I just, it frustrates me that I don't get what I want out of it. I don't get all of what I want out of it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I've never, I as as I've mentioned before, I hate mobile games. I hate those types I of, know. I generally do not play free to play games. Yeah. Because they are generally predatory. They are, they have to be, it's by design. Right. Yes. It's fundamental to the design. Of I it. mean, I, honestly, like in nowadays, it doesn't even mean that a free to play game isn't always just predatory. Most monetary games are predatory now oh too, God, right? Yeah. Like you can spend $80 in a game and still have to spend another hundred dollars on top of that to get the most out of the game. Yeah. So I'm generally don't play any, um, games as a service anymore yeah because they're just as predatory as free-to-play <laughs> games free-to-play games and games as a service they're both for games as a service mm-hmm. it's just one you we call one um games as a service games because you have to pay the upfront cost too yeah. great like so it's like free-to-play but more expensive yeah. okay fuck off it just doesn't make any sense to me so i i can't wrap my head around genshin impact i look at it and i see you play it and i just go Oh, this is frustrating. Honestly, but like thematically, it's just so amazing. Like, I get I, it. I had this this urge to play something like super cutesy and magical, and then it just fills that niche so perfectly. Like thematically, all the character designs, the yeah. world design, and everything—it's just so perfect, and I love I just, it. It but. hurts me because it's like watching your friend, or in this case, my wife, <laughs> be th- like. Adam, I just like going to the coin slots because, I mean, you don't spend any money, thank God. The moment you do, I'm going to have an intervention. (laughs) But, like, if I find you starting to put money into that slot on a regular basis, we're going to have a problem. I will start blocking their port in our internet. Um, But, like... You're okay with putting money in the uh, buy sticker slots, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, You know what? 
that's not the same thing. It's no, not the same I thing. know it's not because at least I'm getting some sort of value for my money that it's, has like physical properties. Don't get me wrong. I think you're ridiculous, but, but you know, we also have this entire room as an homage to ridiculous spending. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm we not, just, we just have ridiculous it. spending habits in general. Yeah. I we don't have that. kids. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do link of no children. <laughs> um, but I, it's, it's different, but I just, there's a difference in like, it feels more gambling in that way. And I, I, it hurts me that when I'm sitting here playing a really complex game that I grant games also tickle that, you know, wrong, they break the, the chemicals in your brain mm -hmm. and I get, it. I'm playing Elden Ring in this very difficult game and you've played it and, and you're sitting there playing Genshin. I'm like, oh my God, like you're just, you're, you're one bad chemical trip in your brain to putting in money towards a piece of shit game. Yeah, but I have more like- Predatory game. Um, I don't know, uh, not self-defense, but like mental fortitude against that. Like I, I've never felt compelled to gamble when going into a casino no. or anything like that. Like I've never, the, that kind of like compulsion doesn't affect me. I never feel like compelled, like I need to spend money. Yeah. There are some times where I'll play a game, like when we played, um, oh my goodness. Lost Ark? Yeah, was it Lost Ark? Maybe, I don't know. There's every once in a while where like, I'll play a game and go, you know what? I'm really enjoying this. And I, it's, you know, either a free to play game or it's like super cheap. And I'll go, you know what? I'm even World of Warcraft. I'm willing yeah. to put a little extra money into this game because I'm enjoying it so much. And you know, they're going to give me this like silly little thing for putting extra money into it. And I think it's cool. So I'm going to buy it, right? Like when we bought mounts and stuff like that, I, that never bothered me so much. See, it, it bothers me now. It, it didn't bother me when it first happened because in the game like World of Warcraft, when they first put purchasable things in the game, I think it was the, they had two things that first came out. They had the mount, the star mount, which actually a, came out as a- um, It was a charity. It was a charity yeah, event. So both of their things were, so they came with a pet yeah. and they came up with a horse and both of the proceeds from that basically went to a charitable function. Yeah, which I looked at that and went, great. This is a great use of that. Yes. I had no problem with that and I bought it. I think I bought you a horse and me a horse. Yep. One was for your birthday or Christmas or something. Mm -hmm. And I went, great. This is awesome. This is fun. This We're adding to a charity. You don't feel, it's not just fueling the machine. Right. And actually a lot of the purchases we've made have been like that, like our little- um, what do they call that? Wyvern? Yeah, uh, the Wyvern one, yeah. Um, that was, it went to a children's- Yeah, it was like a children. It, they did it for like children's day or something like that. And it went to like a children's charity and you actually got like a physical stuffed animal as well as an in-game pet. So yeah. I always thought that was really cool too. But now it's just one of those things where like, no, Fuels you're, just, the machine. you're just buying this to give us money. Yeah, and I and it sucks that you pay a monthly fee and you have this. Yeah. And I think that, that always sucked. And I think that's true for um, uh, video games and things like that games as a service. Mm -hmm. I've just never really been fond of that anymore. It, it's really gone out. And I felt really bad when we played um, Lost Ark. I got really into it. I think I even like tried to sell your sister on playing the game because I really liked it. I thought it was a really good Diablo-esque yeah. game. But then we hit a certain point where immediately the game's like, okay, we bought something. And it's like the quality of the game started to drop. Oh my God. It was like hard stop. Like you basically got to end game content. And it's like, okay, um, now you basically grind your life away. Yeah. And um, they started adding a lot of different like microtransactions into that game too. Like in yeah. their store and stuff. And it just went, yeah, no. Okay. We now see the predatory part of this. Yeah. And I always felt bad that I spent money on it. Cause I'm like, oh, I got trapped into that. I got tricked into it. Mm -hmm. And I realized, right. So now ever since then, I've been very just- Vigilant. Hostile and vigilant <laughs> against it.
So I, I totally get you. But I, I get Genshin Impact. It's obviously very famous and very cutesy. The art is gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. you and I just sat there for a good 10 minutes just judging the characters. Like, oh, oh going she's through cute. Different character like, uh, designs. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. Uh, in terms of watching, um, you and I have been watching Last of Us. Yeah, we're a bit late to the game, but we're, we, yes. we've, we're, we haven't watched the third episode yet. No, we have not. Um, Honestly, Which is all that's out so far. Holy crap, what a show. Yeah. I I have never played the actual Last of Us game. Neither have I. I've I've been told that I should because it is an amazing game, amazing franchise. It is like riveting story. Um honestly the show is just like mind blowing. It is so good. And I you know me, I have a really hard time with like sitting and watching a show at any point in time. And the show has been so good. Yeah. And I enjoy watching. I enjoy like you know, I'm w- more willing to sit and like actually watch the show than most other shows. So that's saying something True. for me. I think where where I knew it was getting good was the end of the first episode. Spoiler alert if you're watching this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the end of the first episode, I had, I, I didn't have tears. I wasn't crying, but I got wet eyed. Oh, yeah. I got when, when he was holding his daughter. His daughter. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the first episode. And this is like emotionally traumatizing. And even yeah. at the end of the second episode, when, uh, you know, Ellie is standing there and there's the flaming building behind her. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like two episodes. And there's been like a death that I care about in both episodes. Yeah. Like, I can't I can't handle the show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Um, And I knew as soon as I had a tear because I've talked before where I don't usually get that emotional. Now, I think my emotional state has drastically changed in the last few years. I think years. it has too, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm more sensitive to that kind of stuff than I ever was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both know why. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those scenarios where I once cried at, I give Violet Evergarden huge props because it was the first time I sat alone <laughs> with a blanket wrapped around me in the middle of the night going... <laughs> You never got to witness it because no. it was in the middle of the night. You, you were asleep. That. I woke up and you were just like, I'm emotionally traumatized from the night that I had. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> but this had that moment where, you know, um, I had to make a joke in the middle of it to like hold my shit together. Like, cause I'm like, this is a show. This is, this is a show and, and those performances are amazing. And oh my God, this is so sad. Yeah, it was really, really good. It's really well done. And honestly, Oddly enough, I don't know that it necessarily makes me want to go play the game because it's really not my no, style. No, I just want to watch the show. Right, it's not my style of game either. Like it's a zombie shooter, you know, and people talk about like how kind of hard and repetitive it can be in certain points. Yeah. Like you die a lot from like really stupid shit. Um, but I am totally okay with just watching as a show. And it goes to, we've I think we've had this discussion before about games where sometimes, you know, the game has a really, really good story but sometimes you'd rather just watch it as a show and enjoy the story instead of having to do the shitty game mechanics along the way just to get that good story. Yeah, Rich kind of made that obvious to me in one of our past podcasts where he went, you're playing the game to get to the story beats. Right. It, the game is the shitty parts in between the character dialogue and And I story. feel like this is a really good example of that where like you don't have to, you just get the story. You get everything yeah. that's good about that game distilled into a show that you can just sit and enjoy. Yeah, in, in a fraction of the time. Right, exactly. You get the same emotional beats and, and intenseness. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I think you're absolutely right. I'm I'm not gonna play the game, um, but I'm loving the show. This oh, absolutely. is fantastic. Um, I think I'll bring up mine. Is I've been watching the second season of Vox Machina. Mm, yes, um, I love it. I've made comments off podcast. I think that it gives me the same feelings as Legend of Korra gave me. Yeah, and I can see that. I don't think this season has been as good. I'm gonna be honest. I feel like this season so far, uh, we are now. 
six episodes. No, uh, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, nine episodes in. Oh, wow. I've now watched the ninth episode and um, they're going really fast in this one. Really fast. Mm -hmm. They're telling these stories. They're introducing character backgrounds, but it's all happening where they introduce the character background, resolve that character's background. In like the same episode. In the almost. same episode. So it feels quick. You yeah. don't really get to stew in that character's background. You don't get to stew. This character has something that clearly defines their character and you're introduced as to why it defines their character. And that's very interesting. But then you don't get to spend time with that character now knowing this. And you you don't get that sense of depth because immediately as they solve it by the end of that episode, they've solved that character problem. I also feel like, okay, so I've only gotten a couple episodes into the first season. But yeah, I'm have, making you watch the first season because yes, you have, liked Avatar when I forced that yes, on you. So. And I, I'm enjoying the first season. And I'm, I've kind of half watched the episodes that you've been watching. So I get I have an idea of like what's going on throughout the show in the second season. And I feel like the the overall atmosphere between the first and second season has changed the first season felt like the more like fun fuckery you know like jokey part of of D, D. whereas the second season feels more like serious like character moments and like character development so far other way around you just haven't gotten far enough into really? season one i really feel like season one is like just complete like jokes and fuckery so whereas this like the second season seems very like serious, very like serious story. Spoiler for season one. I'm not going to give you the details. I'll just give you the mood. Sure. Season one and the first half of what you've seen, which is like the first two episodes are definitely the, we're an adventuring party of D and D we're failing upwards. Yeah. We're a bunch of fuck ups that are somehow succeeding. And that's comedic. Yeah. Now they have some serious moments where they have like, you know, he tosses the coin for the kid. Like, Hey kid, I got your vengeance right, on the dragon. Right. You know, they have some serious deep moments. Um, but no, uh, later on they start dealing with, you just got introduced to the Briarwoods, mm, yep. the vampire type guy. Yep. Um, you have not gotten to the episodes where they deal with that emotion of those characters and the things that go on. It gets dark. Remember this is based on the Strahd series. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Strahd is very dark. Strahd is very dark. It gets really dark. The Chroma Conclave stuff starts off just like, well, Everything you you know and love is do is gone, and you're just trying to claw your way out. And that's what this is. They're just trying to claw their way out, and they're making deals the whole way through. I really like it because they're making deals with making deals with the devil mm. to get these armaments that will allow them to fight the Chroma Conclave. Yeah, and you can see every single time they do it, their soul something is damaged along well, the way. Well, because it seems like every armament they pick up generally has to deal with a very personal topic to one character or another. Yeah, like it's very like like closely linked to somebody's past or whatever yeah. something that happened to them so yeah i get that it's like a really good like character building thing but i don't know it is i just think they're doing it too fast in season two yeah that's uh, their only problem is their speed mm -hmm. they're they're you don't get the time to stew in those character developments and i think that's a problem um but other than that like if if i played if my D, &D play, ran this adventure i'd I can see why people love, I've never watched, I've watched Critical Role. Sure. But never like episode Small, episode. small, like small snippets, snippets of here. it. Yeah. yeah. I don't have time to watch four hours a week of this. No, no. I got, I got stuff for a podcast I gotta watch. You have your own actual like D&D &D session to run or be a part of. So I yeah. mean. Yeah, exactly. But I totally grant why Matt Mercer is considered, why the storytelling of Critical Role is considered so good. Um, I get it. This is a, the best of. Sure, I'm sure he has a team of people that help him write that story too. Oh, I would assume at this There's point. There's no way he does it on his own at this point. I would assume. I, if he does, good on him. 
Yeah. I, I suspect he has a high, like he's the director of it. So sure. he gets to make all the final decisions. Sure. But, but I'm sure he has input from There are people. obviously writers who are good at pulling those emotional strings or like finding those moments of adding like excitement or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure that he has people who give him like, here's the main overall arching thing. Make it, make it interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, you've been playing Elden Ring again for like the 15th time. Yeah. Well, I do that. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I just do the beginning, but this time I want to get the achievements. Yeah. Although it's going to be very hard because I think I already screwed myself out of story plot for one of the bosses. So I have to do new game plus plus. I mean, you, you would have had to anyway for the endings, so it doesn't matter. No, you can get the different endings without choosing the endings because uh, I got to do the Star Knight one and the Frenzied Flame. So I can go do the Star Knight one, then reverse back around and go do the Frenzied Flamed one. Mm. because of the way the story arc works, I can do those two. My problem is I got two items, two trinkets that I need to get that I fucked up the story plots. Uh, and I think I also fucked up getting one of the bosses. Ah, way to go. So yeah, I screwed up on that. Oh, well. So I, I'll probably have to do new game plus plus, but that's why I need your help to help me with, you know, to co-pilot with me and help yeah, me out after, get the story plus. After school's done. Yeah, I know. After school's done. <laughs> that's what I figured. So this is the end of Ronin Geek and Flitch Podcast. We never introduced ourselves at the beginning. No, we totally didn't, we by totally the way. We totally did not. We just assumed that you all knew who we are because, you know, we're so famous. We're so famous now. <laughs> when you come here, you know who we are. This is Plebeian Adam and... And Plebeian Wife Amanda. All right. You can find us if you want to look for us. We're on... Oh, well, you're not. I don't do social media, really. <laughs> For any other purpose other than snooping at other people. So. Yeah. But you can find Ronin Geek's Twitter at Ronin Geekery mm -hmm. on Twitter. You can also find us on Bitcade app. This is an app made by my co-host, my co Alex Austin. Um, I'm pretty sure he would love for me to beg you to go on it hardcore. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. It's a great app for creators. It's best, I'll, I'll be honest. It's focused for creators. Creators can immediately get monetized on it, and they can immediately get advertisement with it, and they get bits kind of like uh, Twitch, mm -hmm. which is really good. Um, so go ahead and host your podcast on there. Get it linked to there. Um, you can check it out on your app. So it's on your phone. You can watch it anywhere you want. It's not like some website. If you want to see more of Plubby and Wife Amanda and I, you can go check out Raised by Spoilers. That is our movie review podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, Raised by Spoilers. You will find it anywhere you find your podcasts. And like this one, you will also find all of this on YouTube. Yay. That is it. Get to see our smiling mugs. Ooh. <laughs>